Listeners, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And uh, we are continuing our month of, I guess this is horror. We're going to qualify We're horror that. adjacent here. Yeah, we're horror adjacent here. I mean, yeah. if, if this could actually happen, it would be pretty horrifying. It would be terrifying. But we are continuing our month of horror. Today we are going to be talking about the newly released Toho film Shin Godzilla. Yes. I'm so excited. I was really hoping you were going to go for an attempt at the roar. Oh, I don't know if I could. How could could I pull that off? It sounds like a card being crumbled. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Do cars crumble? We definitely won't do it. It's not going to happen. What? Do cars crumble? I mean, plenty of cars crumble (laughs) if this movie is evident of of the real world. That is literally what they look like with the digital effects. They just look like they're crumbling as his feet roll down the street. Did you say your name yet? Garrett Smith. I'm pretty sure I did. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm in here. And, uh, uh, we got to introduce our guests, though. We do. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you take it away? All right. So these are actually two uh, past guests that we've had here. They yes. are editors of Cinadelphia.com. We have Jill Malcolm. Hello. And Ryan Silberstein. And a bone tomahawk to you guys. Yeah. And a bone, bone tomahawk. tomahawk to you, good sir. Bringing it back around. It's like he listens or something. <laughs> I made you do that because I can never remember Jill's last name. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> By all means. By all means. Yeah. I got it. All. I got all the info. Yeah. Very good. Uh, so yeah, we went to see. They did special screenings. I guess all week of this movie. Right, mm-hmm. it's been out in Philly all week. I'm assuming probably some other cities got screenings as well. Uh, the Ritz was doing them in Philly, and uh, boy, this was a real delight. Actually, it was pretty packed. For I was, a Sunday oh afternoon. yeah, uh, I think I heard one of the ladies say it was sold out. I don't know that that ended up being true as far as like the seats being full, but I think they said they sold that screening out. That's awesome, which is pretty impressive for a Toho Godzilla movie. I don't, you know, on a gorgeous Sunday yeah. that you have no business being inside on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if there were even any full theaters for uh, what's his name, Gareth Edwards, his uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> his yeah. Godzilla movie. That opening day, yeah. and it was just me, my girlfriend, and a couple other people. Yeah, and most of them hated it. it was yeah, just yeah. Me, like, whoa! <laughs> I liked that movie quite I a bit, it, yeah. uh, and I would say this uh, shares a lot of similarities, just in the things that people complained about about that one. I think they'd probably complain about again in this one. Uh, you know, a lot of talking, not enough Godzilla. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A half hour too long. Yeah, we we actually saw this on Tuesday up at King of Prussia, and everybody who walked in was like, "Wow, there's so many people here!" Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but it was like everybody who walked in. Yeah, was it I love IMAX that. or was it uh, a, like no, large? It was screen? in like their rinky dinky, like ah. all the way down at the end. Theater, yeah, kind of like yeah. Well, it's fascinating that like you know, I, I guess you know it's only one week that it's been open and it's only select theaters. So maybe that's what drives so many people out to it. But kind of part of the point of the movie is like Japan trying to reclaim Godzilla, but also sort of suggests they're okay with sharing it with America. Uh, but no one else. I think they made it pretty clear <laughs> yeah. that it's just Japan and America. Like you did it, you stole it. We kind of liked it. Yeah. You can keep it, but that's it. No one else. They definitely want to keep the UN out of the yeah. Godzilla yeah. matter. China, <laughs> Russia, keep yeah. your hands off. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Uh, but so it's interesting that it turns out they were right that it is as big an American property as it is a Japanese property as far as the people that will drive out to see it, which is uh, kind of, I was just very impressed by that. I don't know. I, the American versions have not turned out Americans like that. But the Japanese version, every, I mean, it was packed. I mm-hmm. think it's kind of in our cultural DNA. Yeah. I mean, we love giant monsters taking down cities. I mean, yep. the first movie is, is much more thematically dense than that. But yes. the one thing that has persisted and it just continues to persist. <laughs> yeah, men in suits knocking down little, you know, diorama buildings, and that's yes, 
that's really at the heart and soul of you know. Of course, there's there's more to it, but that's such an inherently imaginative idea yeah. that of course we're gonna run with it oh, every, yeah. every which way. And I wonder, do you think that that is what uh, pulled an audience to this one more so than it seems the American ones did? I that think it that's what has that us, feel. Keep it kept us interested for so long. Yeah. So when you go, oh, a Japanese Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, I guess they're going to know how it's done. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and I think we can, as we continue to fetishize authenticity, like a Japanese yeah. Godzilla movie definitely always feels more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, but, and I also think it's driven by nostalgia because, like, I haven't seen a lot of films in these series, but most of them are not very good. Like, there's just that, like, <laughs> nostalgia of the idea of some guy, like, jumping around in a suit, knocking yeah. down little buildings, like, that just. It calls to me. <laughs> and that's the main question I think I have, because I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of these movies. And I think as I watch them, the one question that I do have is what makes people drawn to these? And I think it has a lot to do with just monster movie, like l- large monster crashing through things, but also... And I I have to wonder, too, if um, people were into it as children, right. if it kind of just sticks with them. Yeah. But if you're coming into it for the first time as an adult, I'm not so sure. Like, for, for me, I just can't really get into it as much. But I'm sure as a child, if I watched these, I would be amazed. Have you seen the original 1954 I Godzilla? I have not. I have not, and I know that I need to. Because I, I think... That's kind of what grabbed me for Godzilla. Because mm-hmm. I saw a few when uh, on TV when I was a kid, and even then I was like, cool, I guess. I don't know. It didn't like right. thrill me that much as a kid. But seeing the original recently, that has some really... That is like a real movie that has like some real interesting thematic things going on throughout it that Godzilla is supposed to kind of represent uh, as far as... Follow-up, though. What was the first Godzilla movie that you saw? 2014. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's actually a pretty good Godzilla movie. That's a pretty good Godzilla movie, actually, for the most part. And I I remember enjoying it, but I couldn't tell you what happened, to be (laughs) honest with you. If you asked me, I know who was in it. I know a little bit, but I couldn't tell you what the plot was or anything. I actually kind of feel the same way. Looking back, I remember... Remember, he roars a beam into the bad monster's Mm -hmm. mouth and kills it. That's all I got. No, I will tell you, I love Godzilla the monster. I Mm -hmm. love him. Yeah. I just don't (laughs) like the movies. Uh Yeah, it's. I think you should see the the original one. I think that might grab your your mm. brain a little more. It might just spark some interest. But I because the sequels, I, I've not seen many of them. I saw them as as a kid, a few a handful of mm-hmm. them. They're not even serious, right? They're very much like jokey, All chintzy kind of. Until this one, reference only the original movie as a predecessor. Right. Every other one after that is not canon except to the first film. R- interesting. So each one can be taken in a vacuum with the first film. Right. They're this each is their the own distinct. Like sequel to only the first only the first yeah. yeah and then they you know there was other things you know mothra showed up in its own movie right. so it's like oh well, that's another big monster yeah wait a minute let's yeah, get yeah, the fucking yeah. fight you know <laughs> which we've seen a million times right you know we, we, we have freddy, freddy versus, versus jason, jason. Yep. You know, we do yeah we alien versus predator yes that's probably the best example uh-huh they just combined the you know combined the properties yeah didn't they do like a destroy all monsters movie at one point that was like all the famous kaiju all mm-hmm. in one movie and stuff and it's like incredible. that incredible is it really it's awesome <laughs> oh i got to see it yeah. it's really good I, that uh, and godzilla 2000 are like back to back rubber suit pleasures mm. oh yeah that's a weird godzilla phrase but you know. <laughs> yeah we actually uh watched godzilla 2000 this week or attempted to watch and ended up just fast forwarding through all the parts that did not have godzilla in oh really <laughs> fair enough there's a lot of those parts yeah, yeah. and uh, i also have a lot of like nostalgia for king Congress is Godzilla, which I had on VHS. I've never seen that. War. It, it's, it is so cheesy because yeah. it's not that the effects are bad, but like the movie around it is just like horrendous <laughs> in the best way. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah, that I mean, so I think that's kind of the legacy of Godzilla, like it or not, is that it is actually just silly rubber suit monster movies where they just wrestle with each other and throw each other into buildings. Well, the term kaiju yeah. is, you know, a post-Godzilla term. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we took away from it. Right, right. That's the one thing that a Godzilla movie must have is Godzilla. I know it sounds stupid, but that's, you know, well, this it's got to be there. Shin Godzilla makes sort of a, a point to specify that the name Godzilla isn't even like a Japanese designation, that mm-hmm. that's the American... Oh, that's our mispronunciation. W- w- right. Ojira, yeah. That that's the American word for the this thing that has come out of the ocean, which I thought was kind of fascinating that they like went out of their way to be like, well, that's kind of part of their mythology of our mythology. Now, I wonder, and I don't know if this is a fact, do you think this is maybe the first Japanese Godzilla that acknowledges the phrase Godzilla over Gojira? I have no idea. In the film, they say Godzilla. Yep. And then they have that great exchange that's like, eh, names don't really matter. Let's let's kill this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so this one, what I thought was so interesting about it is, as far as I know, it's the first one to go circle back around on itself to the original one and try and tell a real story that Godzilla is sort of a part of. He's just a piece of a larger story that's happening in Japan. Uh, the original one is all about Japan's reaction to the to World War II and, and the bombs being dropped on them. And Godzilla ends up representing both the bombs themselves as like this big destructive force and America. Because as they talk about their response to retaliate against Godzilla, it's very clear that they're talking about whether they should retaliate against America or not. But I think that there's a meditation on the idea of destroy your enemy, enemy or attempt to understand it. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that, that's always going to be the question in any sort of conflict is, is time running out? Or can we learn? Right. You know, which which way can we go? And that's they do the same thing here. And I think this is more indicative of the earthquakes that happened in Japan recently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they treat it less as a, you know, a you know, oh shit, the, there's this new power in the world, uh, which it does, you know, have that, and it is the nuclear thing. Sure. But it's also how do we respond to large scale disaster in the way that is diplomatic, safe, quick, and also helps preserve reputation. Right. How do we cover all of these bases at mm. once where we're trying to make sure we look good on a global platform, but also actually do well for our citizens mm. uh, and the bureaucracy that uh, Japan has developed around accomplishing those things. Yeah. And, and furthermore, even like the individual politics within those within that bureaucracy, like yes. there's definitely people who are kind of like jockeying and there's the one guy who's like, oh, well, in 10 years, I'll be prime minister. So I yeah. want to make sure I do everything now so that like yeah, yeah. when I run, I'm all set up for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, I thought it was really cool how like there were even factions like if they didn't the like Japanese bureaucrats bureaucrats weren't like faceless people like right. there were recognizable characters that oh, yeah. kind of followed throughout as their titles kept evolving and getting longer and longer and That's longer. I thought that was so <laughs> funny. So good, yeah. I, I and I loved that the part of the the big joke of how much red tape there is in Japanese bureaucracy was that no matter how many times we went to a new boardroom there were still new people we needed to know the names of to mm. get through like the next step of the process. The movie's two hours long, and even in an hour, 55 minutes, we're still getting titles on screen every time we see somebody new mm-hmm. because they have a title, and it is significant and important, but we've never seen them before. And yeah, probably yeah. they've never even met these other dignitaries or whatever you want to call them that That's they have That's like the to. most important thing. When we establish a new government task force, yeah. we have to title everyone within it. Yes. And yeah, it's like, yeah. That's before getting any of the action done. Yeah. we got to give everyone a name so Everybody's that we know what they name. do. Yeah. yeah. That's, and I loved the running joke, especially over the first hour, of moving from boardroom to boardroom to boardroom to boardroom. Yes. They can't just get any one thing accomplished in one room. They have to sort of come to a conclusion about exactly the detail they were looking to discuss at this meeting. And as soon as a new question is raised, well, we got to set up another meeting. 
and then they got to go to a different boardroom to have that meeting. Oh, yeah, they're laying down phone banks. They're <laughs> unfolding tables. They're actually yeah. counting how many tables they can fit yeah. because it, they almost look identical. They're like the same exact rooms, just different more configurations tables, more people, of tables. And then the camera just gets bigger and sweepy, you know, sweepier yeah. each time around so you can just get more and more. And it's usually just one guy talking uh-huh. and everyone else figuring like, all right, how do I react for yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. And I love when there's so many people in the room, they get that crazy like squiggle shaped table yes. uh, in there. And then I also love how, especially later on when the um, Jap- Japanese Defense Force is out there, like there's someone like, you know, boots on the ground, like actively out with Godzilla. They call somebody in the room. Yeah. That person tells someone else what to yeah. say. Yeah. And then that person says a different question to, to the, the person prime in minister. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I loved that the final question was always slightly different than what was actually requested. It's, it's mm. a, There's always a few missing details by the time it gets to the prime minister. we got to butter up the person above you so yep. that you can still look good yep. and then make it sound good to the person below you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. key to yeah. making it in the corporate world. It's, and I thought that was amazing. Like I, I, I said, uh, I think to both of you, like coming out of this, it's, it's basically like in the loop as a kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just all about these conversations that need to happen behind closed doors in order to make any one single decision on a political level. It was a hybrid between, if you've seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, there's a bureaucracy scene that is in a tiny little room with Love too it. many men in suits. And as they're shifting around, they have to climb over the table just to fit in the room. Yeah. Really silly stuff. But then it's also earlier this year a movie came out called Eye in the Sky. Oh, I love and that the movie. whole movie. And was I was great, thinking right? about that the entire time, the entire time, just like the, the bureaucracy and how decisions are made in these rooms, but the, and the people who are on the ground who actually have to do it, like. Yeah, I, I I thought about that the entire time I, I was watching it. Yeah, the, the air of uncertainty that carries through from where the decision is made all the way out to the person like firing the rocket at Godzilla is is really interesting. And you know, in my review for Philadelphia, I kind of was like, well, what if Aaron Sorkin wrote a Godzilla movie? Because <laughs> um, there's a lot of because oh, the dialogue is happen? so fast paced. <laughs> yeah, like, it's walk like, and talk too. It, it's walk and talk. There, like the movie goes a million miles an hour, yeah. and like. I was exhausted after watching it yes. because j- there's just so much information that's yeah. in there. I, I thought- found it like gleeful when there was Godzilla scenes happening. Yeah. But usually in a movie like that, when the Godzilla scenes happen, it's like, oh, good, here we are. Yeah. But it was kind of the opposite. When the Godzilla scene was over, it was like, all right, let's get some people on this. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That got me the excitement. That, that's kind of the way an Aaron Sorkin movie feels. Right. Like The I, events are between the lines. Yeah, yeah. Like I could relax when Godzilla was on the screen. <laughs> like I didn't have to think about <laughs> yes. what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I, I actually found like the last half hour pretty exhausting because it felt like the sort of second climactic Godzilla fight was like really incredible and I was like this is the finale thank god I don't have to listen to anybody talk anymore and they were like no 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 now we got to deal with the repercussions of that and plan the next phase and da, 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 you know and I think that's kind of the part of the point though is that like yeah it's fucking exhausting to even respond to one of these things in any kind of timely fashion mm. when they when it goes this deep and like one of the points they try to make is once they get that little elite task force set up it actually starts moving smoother and faster because they've sort of eliminated a lot of the connections that people need to make in order to make a decision uh, which is a pretty I interesting. He says, do, do your thing. Yeah, do your He's thing. Like, We've got a bunch of rejects, outlaws, <laughs> dorks, yeah. uh, like everything. Do your thing, guys. Do your thing. You're going to get in each other's heads, but that's why we hired you. Yeah. It was, it was one of those like gathering the. Uh, like the ragtag group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting the team together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love that it's that it's sort of trying to make that point where it's like you, maybe at a certain point we need to just say like put somebody in charge, like not just the prime minister because he clearly is not capable of making these decisions without 45 people speaking in his ear. Mm. Let's put a little task force on this and let them make some choices themselves. 
I don't know how I feel about that, but I think that's kind of interesting. That's one of the things that the movie is sort of trying to address. Well, you know, it goes into the the big question about democracy, as in who's in charge. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm quoting, but someone mentioned like you know if you if you give people power, they don't want it. Right. You know, give give it to someone above me, and then I'll just I'll approve and or deny. Yeah. And here it goes all the way up to the prime minister. And he doesn't want to make the decision because he wants to honor his legacy. He wants to honor the people. Yeah. So then the question is, are the people making the decision? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We haven't really heard from them. Yeah. And you know that's another nuance, not necessarily downfall, but of democracy is the need for bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, ooh, more consonants are needed in that word. <laughs> uh, no, there's the, and that's that's the question is who's really in charge? Yeah. You know, if we keep deferring the power, it's eventually going to get to one person who has to push that button, pull that trigger. So then, is it a monarchy? Right. You know, wh- mm-hmm. Where does the you know who is in charge of the whole thing? It's first yeah. cause. Yeah, yeah. I think people have a hard time with r- responsibility. So I th- I don't think it's necessarily like making the decision. It's accepting the consequences of whatever happens with that choice. I think that's what people have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. There's even a character that says it at one point, right? Like he says something like, "Who did they put?" Like uh, uh, spoilers. Like once the prime minister is sort of like taken out of the picture. One of the characters asks, like, who ended up in next in succession? Uh, and the response was, like, I know you wanted that position. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I would not want the responsibility. Like, I'm not ready for that responsibility. Like, he v- is very quick to be like, I wouldn't want to have to make those choices. I, I, yeah. I would hate the responsibility itself, uh, which is pretty interesting, actually. That's really the well, question the of the end, movie. Too, he does acknowledge where he says, I need to be accountable for it as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, and that's that almost shows his arc. Because he went from wanting to be like, oh, I'm going to be the next prime minister in 10 years to, well, someone's got to be held responsible. Yeah. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do that. They can attack Batman. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll preserve uh, Harvey Dent. <laughs> you know, but it was, it was that thing where he, I'm going to be held accountable. That's fine. Yeah. That's more important. I think in part too, like the more people you have in the chain, the more people who are talking, the more you're able to like put responsibility on different people depending on what they say or they didn't say the right thing they didn't say it correctly Mm -hmm. so if something bad does happen even though the person at the top should be held responsible there's millions of people that you can all the way down the line that you can kind of pin it on so uh so did you guys think this movie was militaristic like overly militaristic because there was a lot of hardware in this movie yeah i mean i don't know there was actually almost dan and i probably the hardest we laughed was when they launched the full-scale attack on godzilla i was was endless missiles you know ending when they like and uh emptied all their ammo at the predator at the beginning of predator that's what it felt like yeah exactly so it was just a gleeful just like yeah i was just getting my rocks off no i know that's that's what i mean though i was like i was sort of like oh my god this is insane how much they have militarized against it but it's like kind of wildly entertaining to watch Mm -hmm. them like really go full force at Godzilla like that but what I think is interesting is even though it is like a lot about that militarization one of the questions that comes up is how often do we let other countries push us into militarized decisions because ultimately the decision that's made is uh, basically under the pressure of the US the UN decides to drop another bomb on Tokyo uh, and it becomes a, that somebody even says a line like, are we really going to let America push us into another bomb being dropped on us like at their hand? And I think that's kind of interesting that like as much as they have all this question of whether they should militarize essentially against their own people, since there's really no way to fully prevent casualties in their response to Godzilla, like in doing so, they sort of, you know, the global community 
sees that and decides like, well, if they're going to take action, we can really, we have the real power to take action. We'll do it. And then they're forced to sort of bend to that will since they have, what's the treaty that they're a part of they keep referencing? Uh, they the, Oh, it's the Japanese-U.S. like res- support treaty or whatever? Support treaty or yeah. something like that? Security treaty. Yeah, security yeah. treaty. That due to that, they're sort of at the will of the United Nations more or less, but the United States seems to have the power there as far as what decision gets made. So it's kind of interesting because you have to balance that. The movie is trying to balance that question of, our own military response versus the world then joining in on that military response. Yeah. And kind of watching as an American, like yeah. we don't give a shit. Right. Like, <laughs> like our sovereignty is never in question. Like, you know, if there's, if the UN is in a movie and the U S wants to do something different, the UN is the bad guy. Yes. Like, so like, we are always like willing to go it alone, like even on film and in real life. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of really interesting to see another country's perspective on that, where yes. they feel very kind of like, beholden to our policy will yes yeah I, w- I was fascinated by that that they were just sort of like reluctantly going like yeah i guess if you got to drop a nuke on our central uh metropolitan area all right i guess we're <laughs> just uh at our knees to you uh, i thought that was fascinating but i think it's something that we actually don't often have to wrestle with as americans is the concept of hope versus cutting your losses right and that's what that decision kind of came mm-hmm. down to is they were like you know, do we cut our losses and just we can rebuild? Yeah. Or do we really, really hope for a better but not likely solution? Right. And ultimately, of course, they decided to do the not likely better yeah. solution at odds with everything else. Yes. So there was sort of a reaffirmment of, I mean, I guess the word would be patriotism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we held on to hope. We did the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we acted on principles as every country, you know, believes they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the opposite of Independence Day, where in that movie, like, the U.S. president rallies the entire world. Yeah, yeah. And in this, like, the Japanese are, like, rallying a small segment of themselves. We're going to try this one crazy thing yep. just so they don't nuke our country again. Yes, yes. And we're going to hope that it works. But yeah. they're not giving speeches over the radio to even inspire their own citizens. Right. It's just this small, like, ragtag group with a bunch of cranes and, yep. like, oh, let's do it. You yeah. Know? I think my favorite thing at the end of Independence Day is we take down the mothership, we take down the American ships, and then the president's like, get on the phone with all the other countries and tell them how we did it. Yeah. Roll credits. Like, <laughs> yeah. Another great movie here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leaving that Which the... they did not make right. when they decided to make another no. one. <laughs> no. Yeah, Resurgence is terrible. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> awful. Uh, but this, uh, this Godzilla movie was pretty resurged. He felt pretty resurged. Well, this is definitely a, a reboot in terms of a lot of things about Godzilla without... Because the, the term Gojira, I believe, means something along the lines of, like, lizard whale. Okay. Because he's supposed to be an aquatic creature. Right. So they kind of get into the science yeah. of that. But we go through the evolution. He Pokemons. Yeah, I through, love Which that. is awesome. Yeah. You know, they, is so that they new to the this... Godzilla mythology? Does anybody know the uh, evolving Godzilla? As far as I know, it's new, especially yeah. with like him not having any arms right, and like, yeah. kind of yeah. crawling around, which looked really goofy, but I, I actually kind I of appreciated it. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. But this is the first time that they, they kind of explored the physics of his fire scream, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It warms up with fire, and then yeah. it becomes laser beams, and he's got back lasers. I love That I was love a really cool lasers. development, but none of it felt like... Oh, that's too much. You know, right. it kept within the you know the Godzilla aesthetic, but developed him. Yeah, you know, it is kind of a it's kind of like a Batman Begins yes. of of Godzilla's. Yeah, I like that they got into like the science of Godzilla and yeah. how he works as like an evolutionary being. And I loved all the the talk of he's like 
somebody has a line at one point. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie. They say something like, "He's evolved past the point of intelligence, <laughs> like that. He's like so. He's evolved beyond us to where like he doesn't need to be intelligent. Oh, he's yeah. such a highly evolved form intelligence. He's beyond even the need for an intellect, which is like so fascinating <laughs> to me. That concept. Mm-hmm. What's the classic joke? What does an eight hundred pound gorilla eat for breakfast? Whatever, he whatever wants. He wants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I love, like, because the drones come in, and I'm like, oh, cool, like, we've never seen Godzilla, uh, Godzilla against drones before, and then he's like, nope, back, back lasers, lasers, done. <laughs> Four, like, squadrons of drones just yep. down in, like, two minutes, and you're like, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was almost a, a distillation of the whole bureaucracy thing. The the biggest and best development, also one of the worst in war, is we don't have to put people in anymore. Yeah. It's great, because we don't need guys on the ground, but it's bad, because in, like, an eye in the sky... There's this separation of just like, no, just push the button and the problem's fixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's remote controlled. Yeah. So I love that they did that, where they sent the drones in to be kamikazes, to yeah. be expendable. Yeah. Because even that was like a, they, they played it like the lasers came out yeah. and it shot them down. And we feel like, oh. And the yeah. guy's like, he took them down, just like we planned. Yeah, yeah, Round yeah. two of drones. <laughs> yeah. That was a yeah. cool little twist. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think there's something great about guys' little movies. Like, this one definitely, I think, pays more lip service to, like, collateral damage in yes. terms of people mm-hmm. than any of the other ones I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still something satisfying about, like, being able to state that like bloodlust mm-hmm. against like Godzilla because like Godzilla does not give a fuck. Right. Like he's always going to be there. He's indestructible. So yeah. like you can really kind of like, you know, get your rocks off in terms of like drones and missiles and mm-hmm. artillery and like helicopters and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it's going to be fine because yeah. the only thing they're going to hurt is Godzilla and he'll be, he'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. What ultimately like starts to take down Godzilla though. I love this. This is a flip flop. Use the buildings against him. Oh yeah, I thought that was <laughs> That's a really right. that fun was cool. twist on, on like the way Godzilla usually works, tumbling buildings on top of him to try and like slow him down. That was really fun. Uh, I, I thought in general, I mean, what did you guys think of the actual Godzilla effects in this? I actually could not tell how practical versus digital they were overall. It was I clearly did a research. Okay, and they did have a man in suit. Yeah. In the form of a motion captured mm-hmm. dancer. Ah. And so they tied weights to him. So yeah. he would move slow, but he had the grace of a dancer. Yeah. And then they digitally painted over him as well as put him in, in a goofy suit. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's how they kind of bridge the gap between. It felt like every time there was like a close up on Godzilla, I was looking at a puppet of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. anytime we had to pull out, it was a digital effect that paid homage to the way the rubber suits looked like mm-hmm. it still had a rubber suit kind of look and feel to it which i really like well, the last american one did too yeah that was probably mm-hmm. the most impressive part about it was that they said let's not go real yeah let's make you know that when the moths flew they looked like kind they of looked they like they had strings, wires you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and especially towards the end of this movie where they're pumping all the chemicals into yeah. Godzilla's mouth. Like, that looked like miniatures and yes. puppets and stuff, which yeah. was really cool. And I thought the mix was well done because it didn't look... Like, the CGI looked like a puppet yes. in a way. And, yes. and so, like, I think that kind of helped it along. But yeah, me too. There's a ton of stuff, like, filmmaking-wise. They just kind of did anything they could to get yeah. it in there. And I think it actually worked pretty well. That's I, one of the things that defines Godzilla for me is that the reason we have the rubber suits and the reason so many good movies are defined by their limitations is when you're limited... You have to exercise imagination. Mm-hmm. And so the rubber suit and the little cities came out of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And so that's that is essentially what has stuck with us. So it's causing me to reassess how I feel about shitty CGI because I'm going that also there might be some classics that I have dismissed for shitty CGI that ended up doing some very imaginative things that I never gave it credit for. So looking at this, I feel like even though I would prefer a man in a suit over a digital creation. Yeah. I think the same imagination went into counteracting the 
you know, just the, the shittiness of the CGI, which yeah. shitty is not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Because it, I mean, especially the like. of it. It does. Well, and especially like the train cars and the boats and stuff, like those really look like terrible CGI models mm. that don't really bend or flex in any way. And they just kind of tumble on top of each other with like really bad. Uh, 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 what do you call those? Like the the physics uh, generators and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, particle physics had a field day this year, <laughs> and Godzilla was absolutely not a, uh, not not left out of that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, but so but I ended up. I thought that was appealing in some way. I don't know. I, it, at first, I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. It was at first, it kind of annoyed me. I was like, oh, this is going to be all CGI. I thought it was going to be dude in suit. But it started to get appealing the longer it went on. I couldn't really describe it. And then it had all those like really gorgeous shots. Towards the end, where he is like turning into a neon-looking <laughs> creature and stuff. Oh, the best shots were the the huge cityscape with a little Godzilla on it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what that kind of bridged the gap between the live-action actors and the CGI. At the beginning, that gap is not bridged. Yeah, so it feels like two separate movies. It's like a cutscene. Yeah, and so once that gets bridged, you start to really buy into it. Yeah, you know, it feels real. It feels dangerous. I think that's what kind of annoys me a little bit about all of these movies. Actually, is that I wish they would just stick with one or the other. Mm-hmm. Use CGI for the whole thing, or use miniatures for the whole thing. Because I think in 2000, I remember watching the beginning after watching this movie and being like, "Oh, this looks really good," considering because they were using min- miniatures. I think in the in the beginning, and then it got crappier towards the end as the CGI started to come in and I'm like, I really wish they would stick with one or the other because it kind of takes me out of it completely. Yeah. And, and when and I'm then, trying to guess, oh, is that CGI or is that like, yeah. I, I just wish it was one or the other. And then that's the one where Godzilla fights a UFO and the UFO <laughs> is all CGI and Godzilla is like sometimes CGI, sometimes a puppet or but like a dude in a suit fighting a CGI UFO just... It, does, it doesn't look like they're both occupying any sort of same plane whatsoever. I got to tell you, <laughs> you just sold me on seeing that movie, regardless. <laughs> Godzilla versus a UFO while Godzilla's still just a guy in a suit. Sounds great. Yeah, and then later on, there's a monster that attempts to swallow Godzilla whole. Oh, so I love that. If that wasn't enough, yeah, I love <laughs> that'll that. definitely, yeah. There's some great moments in that one. Uh, but this one overall, like, I really liked the design. I wasn't sure how I felt about, like, his bottom lip, like, splitting open for him that. to do the beam. But the more they did it, the yeah. more I liked it. I thought that was pretty cool. Made him feel kind of like a creature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, I mean, this is, it's worth noting, this is the first post-Cloverfield Godzilla that we've had. And there was a lot of handheld, uh, sort of found footage They did mm-hmm. some security mm-hmm. cam footage. But stuff like that, where we forget, like, oh, no, he is a foreign creature. Yeah. Anytime you introduce anything, like, Lovecraftian, like, yeah. that, that's foreign. That's scary, and I yeah. think that ultimately ended up working. Because I was a little weirded out by it at first. I was like, it almost felt like passe. Like, yeah, I've seen creatures split their face open before. Uh-huh. Done. And uh, no, it ended up, it, it felt earned. Yeah, it felt like uh, just the way it was depicted, I was like, all right, I buy that that it, like this physical thing that he's doing requires his body to do this mm-hmm. other thing, too. It, it all felt somehow like biological, like it, it made some sort of sense. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I noticed this. Maybe someone else noticed this, too. When they first got the ragtag group together and they were working on the coagulant, they had pencil drawings of Godzilla. And I am almost positive that two of those drawings were hand drawings of the Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Oh, really? Oh, that'd be amazing. I, I didn't I notice that. Because I, yeah. I was looking for the chin, and I was like, that looks a lot like, you know, like the... Almost like uh, like like prep drawings for the yeah. making of that movie. Well, I did. I had that thought while they were doing the initial Godzilla. That was like the weirder sort of amphibious creature. I was yeah. like, oh, this looks a little more like the 1999 American Godzilla. Yeah, because it's much more horizontal yeah. than it is like vertical. Yeah. And um, it's 
it looks really weird. It has those big googly eyes, uh-huh. <laughs> which like again, like the first time I saw it, like I was I was like, is this Godzilla? Is this like another what he's yeah. going to be fighting? Because I didn't know like anything going in. And then uh, as it kind of went on, I was like, you know, like this is kind of cool. And you know, the his like just like blood spewing yeah. out of the gills is such that. a like it's such a weird moment, yeah. but it it works because it feels very unique to this movie. Yes, I thought it was kind of funny that the Americans claimed all of the blood. Oh yeah, I yeah. thought that was such a good commentary on what we yeah. want out of our movies. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, do we get any of the blood?" He's like, "Well, we got a little." It's like, "Well, the Americans took the rest. Can we get it from them?" Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that also reminded me of uh, Hannibal Chow, the uh, Pacific Rim character. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't remember. That's uh, oh, what is his name? Uh, 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 Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman yeah. yeah, Ron Perlman's character in Pacific Rim, where it. he like <laughs> he he's like a black market dealer for like kaiju organs. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he lives in the rib cage <laughs> yeah. of town. Okay, because yeah. they made a reference kind of to that too. Yeah, where it's like yeah. we can rebuild on top of Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is funny. I didn't love Pacific Rim. I thought it was all right. I think I had a bad experience because for the first 10 minutes, it didn't occur to me that my uh, 3D glasses were like busted. Uh, it didn't work. So I ran out in the hallway and grabbed a new one, and then it was, oh, they, these do work. Yeah. So I'm like, this movie's not 3D. What's right? Why is everyone enjoying this? <laughs> yeah. But this fixed a big problem I had with Pacific Rim, which with Pacific Rim. Which was everything happened at night and in the rain. Yeah. So yeah. I, it was like, if you're going to spend all this money, like, I would love to see something. Yeah, this, like, and mostly so this took place mostly in daylight. daylight. Yeah. And they had those great moments where he would be blown up and there's a big cloud of smoke. And then he emerges <laughs> from it again unharmed. Yeah. That was my best Godzilla, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my Nana. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like crumbling cars, doesn't she? <laughs> She's 90. I mean, she can, <laughs> yep. she can make some noises. <laughs> <laughs> Mix that with a screeching about like breaking subway train. And, yes, like they're yeah. almost there. I yeah. feel like. Um, but I actually hope we get like a direct sequel to this. If yes. only because when they freeze Godzilla at the end, I would love to see him like bust out. Like, oh, yeah. Almost like uh, Sigourney Weaver at the end of Ghostbusters. Like yes. I would love for it to like just be a statue. And then all of a sudden his like claws just like start coming out of the rock well they they seem to imply a potential for a sequel they they introduce that idea that he that red blood goop stuff seems to contain biological life of some kind that could develop into smaller creatures Mm -hmm. one says and then you get that great shot at the end where it goes up his frozen tail and you can see little creatures oh yeah trying to get out of the tail yeah yeah, yeah. so i think they were sort of heavily implying that they want to make another one where they're like oh the americans have named these things too they're called godzuki yeah exactly (laughs) remember the uh tumbles across the boat he was goofy he would eat all the food and then yeah. he'd fall over yeah. and I'm like Godzuki. Do you guys remember Snarf. by the way the opening credits to the Godzilla cartoon? Yes. It's mm-hmm. literally like this crazy military music and walls of flames saying like Godzilla. Yeah. And like all this crazy horrifying stuff and then all of a sudden it's like and Godzuki <laughs> and you get this like carnival music as he just fat and stumbles kids. across the it's, it's so funny. It's, it's so kids. great. I I love that cartoon <laughs> yeah. especially because even within the same episode Godzilla size is completely inconsistent. Yeah. Like oh, he yeah. goes from like 20 feet high to like 800 feet uh-huh. high like some because he's like standing on the bottom of the ocean yes. somehow but yes. then also like fighting a Greek statue or something. I know, like, they kind of took care of that here, too, by having yeah. him evolve. It was like, oh, we can just change his size. Yeah. Like, Godzilla versus King Kong, that makes no sense no, size-wise, because King Kong is not nearly as big uh, as Godzilla. Uh, he climbs to the top of buildings, yeah. whereas Godzilla kicks them over <laughs> Which with abandon. is something that Legendary is trying to do. They're going to make their own oh, Godzilla yeah. versus King Kong give, with 
Peter Jackson's King Kong. No, right? there's, a, there's a new the Return to Skull Island. Right, but oh, I think yeah. the I idea is that's supposed to be in canon with that. I think I might be wrong, but I mean I'd be down. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for it. But yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the 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 one that they're doing. The... <laughs> You're shaking your head, no, Jill. Why why does this sound like a terrible idea to you? Well. So Ryan played me the clip of Godzilla fighting King Kong in the original, and it just pissed me off because, <laughs> because I'm one of those people, I actually want Godzilla to win. I don't like when we pummel him with military fire. <laughs> I don't have a problem with him completely slaughtering whole cities because I love him that much. So anytime he's fighting anybody and he... I don't think he wins, right? And that yeah, I think that's the only time where yeah, Godzilla does not that's win. That's bull. Yeah. And yeah. I did, did, did I say I don't want to watch this? This is crap. <laughs> <laughs> so this is cruelty. <laughs> it is. I, and I think I turned to you while we were watching the movie, and I'm like, they're being so mean to him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. So then in the new Godzilla, though, where he was deemed like, well, he's a force of nature, hands off. He'll show up whenever. How do you feel about that? I appreciate that more. Like I, I actually go into these movies seeing him as a monster, not so much as a monster, but as this other being that you know we have to understand or like learn to understand. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to be a part of us, but he doesn't know how. <laughs> His hugs are a little too tight. He kicks over buildings. Uh-huh. He kills people, but yeah. we His can learn. And are we laser can... beams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's kind of like the idea of like you know instead of rebuilding. Earthquake zones, maybe just build somewhere else. So, like, yeah. instead of building in Godzilla's like migratory pattern or whatever, on or on his feeding grounds, we right. just get out of the he way. He was here first. <laughs> he was here first. <laughs> but we created him. That's the other thing. We well, did create him mm-hmm. because he ate all of our nuclear this waste. Is yep. true. Yeah. This is true. Well, they, this movie pays some interesting service to the fact that his name is Godzilla, as far as you know, America has dubbed him, and that's why they, I think, called the movie Shin Godzilla, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, Shin means God. Shin has multiple meanings, and it ranges from, like, you know, like, shiny and new to yeah. God. It can right. Go, yeah, so it's it just hints as, like, this is a reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I also like the idea that, because they even talk about it in the movie, that he is, like, God-like in the yeah, sense yeah. that he is so... Literally well, all powerful chanting for him, right? That was and that was really quick. I wish they actually spent more time. Yeah, on that, more time on the, you know the helicopter passed over and there was just people like this protesting. Is it, you know, yeah, just ride it out. But it it makes sense to me this idea Woody that Harrelson he is in 2012. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense to me that he's like godlike in some way because he's this all powerful being that also has like no actual concern for humanity because it's so, it's so it exists so much on its own plane of existence that it, there's no. I don't know. It has no control. It has control over its own actions, but its actions are meaningless to us, and our actions are meaningless to it. It, mm-hmm. it completely exists in its own cosmic space, you know. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting that they they sort of had the human characters like recognize that that it was like, yeah, we should kill this thing, but also I don't know how much it, there's an intentionality to this thing. It's it seems to exist almost on its own plane of existence that we are ignorant of, and it is ignorant of well, us. I think yeah. That's why they. I think that's why I think it's this is more a response to like the earthquakes that they've right. had in recent years mm-hmm. because because they even talked about like can we get America in on this they're like well we don't know yet right because is this a force of nature or is mm-hmm. this a deliberate creature attack right or you know or is this something that we bred ourselves right you know whereas the first one you know he he does sort of appear as a force of nature mm-hmm. it's much more directly. Uh, 
meditating on the whole idea of, of applied force. Yes. This is more disaster relief. Mm -hmm. And he needs to be more godlike for that. Yeah. yeah. Because you can't build an earthquake right. unless you're a Bond villain. Right. But you can... They, they, I think that has probably happened. But, um, <laughs> or Lex Luthor. Or Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's what they should have done at the end of this is rewound, <laughs> rewound the world and just let him back into the... Moonwalk into the ocean. Doesn't doesn't Bane so, build an earthquake in in uh, Dark Knight Rises? Right? Probably. Isn't that what happens at the football stadium? He builds his own earthquake. Oh yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> Why not? But and I also get the sense in the beginning that like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they were at the beginning they're talking more like, all right, do we kill it? Do we capture it? And yeah. they're like, if we bring the Americans in, they're gonna kill it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it won't even be a question anymore. Which they were right because right. as soon as the Americans get involved, it's like, oh yeah, fucking, uh, don't just destroy the monster, blow that whole dumb country off the map, yeah, <laughs> just and, sink it. And it's kind of interesting that they kind of hint that like the Americans knew that right. like something was up, whether or not we knew about Godzilla, we at least knew the theory. And like, yeah. if we had shared that information with the world, like maybe Japan would have been ready, right? Oh, yeah. But like, they're caught completely by surprise because they had no, like we were just kind of hoarding all this information, right. including like their scientists. Yeah, I it. wonder. Do you think there's some common Commentary there. I, I don't know enough about the earthquakes they had or anything like that, but is well, it I possible think we tend to, to play our cards pretty close right. to the chest yeah. when it comes to world policy? And that's I'm wondering if we'll apply it once we consider the contingency plan to keep us on top. Totally. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if like there's some commentary there about like the the science we have at our disposal because of how much money we have as a country being able to maybe monitor things around the world like mm. fault lines and things like that that maybe for some reason they don't have the access to or the money to get themselves. And it's like, could you share a little bit of your fucking information with us? So we have <laughs> I had the thought that during this Godzilla thing, our big problem in America is like, well, who's going to build the iPhones? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we're, we're worried about that. Yeah. I think China, right? I think that's I who know. makes the iPhones. I don't know. I'm just going to continue <laughs> to dig that hole. <laughs> Americans, uh, we suck. Yeah. The, yeah. The... um. I forget what I was going to say. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, I remember what it yeah. was. One of the best lines in the movie is the second attack from Godzilla. They're like, he's heading towards Tokyo. And one character's like, why is he always coming towards Tokyo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great just summation of the entire series. It's yeah. like Tokyo yeah. is just, they got to keep rebuilding. And that was the only time I think they referenced it as if it was a thing that had happened before. Otherwise, the movie plays it like this is the first well, time no, this it ever was happened. The, right? the second, because like, he, he attacked, then he went into the right. water to cool off. And then when he came back to land, they're like, he's heading right towards Tokyo again. Yeah. It's like, why always? And I feel like this movie is very self-aware, but without being like fan service -y. Like there's yeah, not right. really any like Easter eggs for like no. Mothra or like setting up any like, you know, the kind of universe building that we get in like our movies right, right. now. But I feel like there's a lot of very like self-aware about the genre in mm -hmm. terms of like, not so much the rules, but just the way people handle things yeah. and like the reaction to it and like comments like that. I actually, I don't know. I was like very impressed with this movie overall. I, it like uh, kind of delighted me in how funny it was. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe how funny I found it for how often it's just guys in rooms like talking to each other. Yeah, and I, I love the um, the American character where she's the like special yes. assistant to the ambassador, and she just like walks in and like gives them the business, yeah. and then yeah. just like walks away. Like, yeah. and, and it happens to be like, president. She, yeah. Yeah. she wants to be president she by the time president. she's forty. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, I I love her character, and yeah, I really really love this movie. I hope I get a chance to watch it again before the end of the year because it might make my top 10 list Ooh, but like i feel like i need to see it again just I, to... i'd like to see it again I, I like how the president was just like was just faceless comforting old <laughs> white man 
That was very funny. <laughs> I loved the notion that the uh, the Japanese American woman that was like, uh, I guess like an American ambassador to Japan or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. loved that the, her whole thing was, well, I'm going to be president of the United States by the time I'm 40. Not, I'm going to be the first Asian American right. president. <laughs> oh, Not, yeah. I might be the first female no, president because we haven't even hit that yet. But I'm going to be the first one to do it before I'm 40. Yeah. That's like her big goal. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with any of the other milestones that that would also mean. <laughs> Japan's further than us on that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know what their history, what their presidential history looks like. Or well, they, they've definitely had an Asian president. Okay, yeah, well, they've had <laughs> Asian yeah, yeah. but have they had a have they had a white American president? Yeah, yeah I'm, right. I'm looking for some progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was a really interesting character, and her choice to use American, uh, like American English, every once yes. in a while was very interesting. I feel like I don't know. I I don't know enough about their culture to know like why she was choosing to speak American English at different times, but I have a feeling there was some implication to that. Like mm-hmm. there were because she was switching in and out of it at like specific times for yeah. specific phrases. And her English was very like colloquial. Yes. Like it was very like using like you got this guys or like whatever, like very like casual English. Yes. You know? And, and I also she did it like, phonetically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Non native yeah. uh, English speaker not non non English speaker at all. Yeah. And she did it phonetically, Jet Li style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love the like the kind of romance between her and like yeah. the main um, oh, yeah. like government character. Yeah. And like they don't, there's nothing happens there. But I kept yeah. waiting for them to just like make out as like <laughs> uh, missiles are raining down the background. Like yeah. <laughs> they had that little moment where they were like walking together, where it was just like, well, you'll be president one day. Well, you'll be president. Maybe we'll be friend presidents. You know, like they had like a little. Uh, is that the scene where the camera like zooms out? And yeah. like they're like all the way on the oh, far yeah. right, and like I have, n- I would love to know what is going on there with that like choice because it's clearly intentional. Oh yeah, there were a lot of interesting cinematography choices throughout the movie. Like there's all these really like brief shots where the camera is just like locked on a cart that's being moved around an office or yes. something, and it only lasts for like a second, and then you're back to an establishing. They do shot. one shot where they're like, "Well, when we pitch this to the prime minister, it's going to give him pause," and they do a quick flash cut to just his face, like. And then it cuts yeah. back to the scene at hand, and you're like, oh, nice. Yeah. A little family guy thing. Yeah. They had a, probably my favorite shot in the whole movie was one of the biggest uh, uh, boardrooms that they had. Right in the center of it was one guy, like, exhaustedly talking. Yeah. And the camera just does, an, like, a 180 kind of around the room, and he finishes talking. And then he picks it back up again, and it just goes right back to where it <laughs> yeah. started. And it's a very just smooth, slow very shot. Very deliberate. And, then, you know, it, and it was humorous, but it was also... It was just a nice shot. I don't yeah. know. It, was, it, it, yeah. it, it showed that this director you know, made this choice. I thought he made like a pretty great movie, actually. Like You well, could take the did. kaiju stuff out of it. The live like, action. I'm doing air quotes yeah. to say this. The live action Attack on Titan. Oh, interesting. Which is a kaiju attack movie. Right, so yeah. I would like to see that, history. actually. Yeah. I, I know it got mixed reviews, but I would be curious yeah. to see. The whole series, the cartoon, is on Netflix. Yeah. I hear that's really cool. That's what I've heard, so. too. Never watched it. It's about giants that attack humans. Yes, I actually I watched the first few episodes, but I never finished it. Is it cool? It is good. Yeah. I, I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, I'm not much of like an anime guy, but mm-hmm. I have seen the direct like one of the co-directors of this did like uh, Neon Genesis oh. Evangelion, yeah, which I've seen like a good chunk of. I don't remember anything about it except yeah. like specific images, but that also has like giant monsters and cities. But they also have like robots fighting them and stuff. That's very much uh, I feel like the basis for Pacific Rim. I think is probably like pretty closely linked to, yeah. to Evangelion, mm. um, which is one of my favorite premises, actually. The idea is that... I've only, I, c- I could draw you the title card for that, yeah. but I've never seen it. I, <laughs> the the premise is fantastic. Yeah. The idea is that the kaiju in it are literal angels and gods. They're like, we, we have discovered God, 
and they're these huge monsters that just rain down on us from the heavens. So we have to build monstrous robots to fight God. It's literally about humanity oh, fighting back cool. against God. It's it's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that sounds very Lovecraftian. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's it's pretty neat. I love that premise. So I almost wish I was more familiar with it because I'm sure there's echoes in this movie, but I, like, I don't know what there are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the weirdest thing about Evangelion is the idea that for some reason that is never fully explained, only teenagers can pilot the, the robots. Mm. That's how they make it like an anime <laughs> series. You know what I mean? It's all these like teen uh. characters. Well, well, adults have lost the magic. Yeah. And anyone younger just is too young. Yeah. Right. I mean, only 10-year-olds can catch Pokemon, right? Right. That's yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm doing a pretty good job at 32. Not going to lie. <laughs> so uh, uh, let's talk about the score. Yeah. Oh, I oh, loved yeah. the score. The score was absolutely fantastic. It incorporated uh, crazy, like, hair metal montage sequences. Uh-huh. Yes. As yes. well as the original score. Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, and some just like really beautiful classical moments too. There were certain sequences that were just set to like I'm, I'm assuming still original orchestrations, but uh, they they had like a very like classical kind of vibe to them that is unfamiliar to the series as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like I said, I've not seen a lot of them, but I think it was instrumental when you're doing a lot of just you know Sorkin style fast talk. Mm-hmm. If you don't have necessarily like you know whips, you know like Fincher esque or yeah. Danny Boyle esque hyper directing. Which this didn't. It was very slow sweeping yeah. shots. You need you know the score to build to that crescendo, so that even if you get lost, and you know there's nothing too uh, too convoluted being spoken about, mm-hmm. but if you get lost in the pace of it, that just informs the level of tension you need to feel. Or if somebody drops a bomb and you get a music cue, a, a verbal bomb, you know that they've done that. Yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed how eclectic it was because yeah. I feel like like right now we get a lot of stuff where you know even Alexander Desplat's score for the mm-hmm. 2014 Godzilla, which is really good, mm-hmm. you know, it still it always feels like Alexander Desplat, and this had such different like styles throughout it that I yeah. really appreciated that it was just like yeah let's just throw this all in because like that's how crazy everything that's going on in the movie is yeah well and I like that it's like uh, it, it is essentially just utilizing whatever seems to work best for the scene itself rather than trying to have a unified sort of like well this is what this Godzilla movie sounds like yes. you know uh, which is pretty impressive because that rarely happens. You, unless it's a needle drop movie, it's usually something very unified across the board. I yes. think it exists as a function of us just being this deep in Godzilla lore. Right. You know, if you're trying to reboot it and you're trying to pay homage to all of it without being so specific, yeah. you can't lean on the score too heavily. Right. But you also don't want to be Tarantino either. I like that term, needle drop. You, yeah. you don't want to have that either because that takes away from you know, that that makes it novelty right and i don't think they wanted novelty here no yeah cuz they could have got away with some needle drops with the way they did those montages set to like the sort of hair metally butt rock that they were using <laughs> well what rapper uses the godzilla theme i can't remember cuz every time it got to that yeah, part i was like and <laughs> yeah it's probably rizza <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel like it's got to be yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, i'm not sure uh, but yeah i did, i had that same feeling cuz it's like now that's what the godzilla theme calls to mind yep. for me you know yeah uh, i was hoping that we were going to get some like really over the top like japanese pop song yes. or like the end credits yeah. and i was a little dis- i have to confess i was a little disappointed but that's all on me yeah. an original like tie-in song yeah. from the will smith of japan yeah, yeah. exactly awesome. which yeah. then i could download like make it my ringtone yeah. and just be obnoxious constantly <laughs> i did like that uh, that would probably be very happy to accompany that, Jill, right? Thrilled. <laughs> Thrilled. Actually, if, if Living the Godzilla Life was the chorus of that song, that would be amazing. <laughs> you want to write a song? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Living the Japanese. Godzilla Life? Yeah. <laughs> well, then we could just really just have it like broken Japanese. Yeah. It'll, it'll be all about the hook. We don't have to yeah. worry about anything too in-depth. It'll be the uh, Rock Me Amadeus yeah. of <laughs> Japanese pop. 
You'll have to try. And, <laughs> Let's do it. You'll have to try and find every instance of a scientist in one of these movies going Gojira. Gojira. Oh, that would be great. That's because yeah. that's my favorite thing that happens in every Godzilla movie I've ever seen. Is there's always a shot, and even in the American ones, it's of an Asian character looking up from a piece of paper and going. Gojira. <laughs> that was one thing that they did capture in the Roland Emmerich version. Yeah. There was a guy who was like a Japanese sailor that was uh-huh. hurt in the initial boat attack. Yeah. And he's laying in the hospital bed and he's like freaked out. And someone holds a lighter up in front of him. Yeah. And when he catches it, he's like, what was it? And he, Gojira. Yeah. And they cut to that so many times throughout the movie, like on the news. And, all yeah. that. and it's like this... This might even be offensive. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I loved that in Gareth Edwards, they had to have Kim Watanabe say that. Yep. That was, yep. you know, yes. they had to give it to Kim Watanabe because we got to get a Gojira into oh, yes. our movie. Oh, and definitely. you can't just have like Chris Pratt do it. No, no, no. no, no. no. It's got <laughs> to be Ken Watanabe. Yeah. At the end of Godzilla 2000, this isn't really a spoiler because there's oh. nothing to spoil. I know exactly. But there's what a you're guy talking, yeah. who, like, Godzilla's about to smash a building, and everyone's yeah. like on the like the porch outside, and they're like, "Get back here! He's gonna smash it!" And he's like, "No, I have to stay here. Don't you see?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, we see." And like, there's no reason for him to stay there. And then right when Godzilla's about to smack him, you get the big like, "Godzilla!" It's <laughs> phenomenal. I love that. <laughs> And then the last line of that movie is like, Godzilla is inside every one of us. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, (laughs) cut the credits. (laughs) You know what? There is a little. (laughs) I would enjoy kicking a building. to destroy the entire city, though. I've been there before where I just want to kick down a city. Yeah, absolutely. It's when my inner Godzilla comes out and starts to evolve. (laughs) Well, that's, uh, you guys know that that's uh, what uh, Nacho Vigorando's new movie is, right? He's got this? this movie coming out called Colossal. That stars of all people. Oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to remember. Uh, 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 one of the SNL guys that is is in movies now. We're the Millers. Uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. That's a good combo. And That's awesome. and uh, if, I can't remember if it's Aubrey Plaza. It might be. I can't remember. But the idea is, it's a a man and a woman that get into a relationship that both happen to have the same power. Where when they get overly stressed out and go to bed at night. They manifest kaiju in cities around the world that battle each other. That's incredible. That's so it's so like a awesome. relationship drama told through kaiju battles. Have you seen Big Man Japan? No, oh, I Big know Man what you're Japan. talking about. Yeah. Though <laughs> there's a um, have you seen Extraterrestrial? The no, uh, I would Nacho love Orlando? to see that. Yeah, that one. I can see how that could kind of dovetail into it because it's just a romantic comedy where everyone's trapped inside because there's an uh, an alien presence outside. Interesting. And it never comes really in direct contact with anyone, but it's what drives the drama because yeah. they're all just oh, stay in. There's a ship above the city, yeah. but then it's like a Woody Allen comedy. Oh, interesting. And so I think to play that aesthetic, but now it's, hey, listen, you know, when we're not out on dates, I am a monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of cool. It's uh, the Godzilla inside of all of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, anybody have wrapping thoughts on this? Anything anybody feels like we like, didn't hit or like touch rhyme? on? Uh, yeah, could you <laughs> rap me? Could you get your Godzilla rap off the ground right now? This Godzilla was a real thriller. <laughs> the one from 1997 was vanilla. <laughs> and um, word, word up. Yeah. Godzilla's a big, big, big up to Tokyo. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys already found <laughs> the big problem with your hit song is Godzilla is a terrible word to have to rhyme over yeah. and over again. That's true. Tokyo, yo, yo, <laughs> it's time to go. Um, yeah, gonna, that's it. Well, Don't look at me, I'm done. <laughs> well, I guess the last thing I'd like to say is it's like nice to see oh, a wait, t- wait, Godzilla yeah. spitting hot fire. <laughs> that's all I got. Because um, he spits hot fire. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's on my back for fighting the drones. <laughs> gonna, uh, I don't know. Act better Word. than Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> 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 hot 
Fire. <laughs> oh, so good. Keep it at 100. <laughs> uh, I, I liked the. Uh, it's nice to see Toho back with the Godzilla movie. I guess that's the last thing I want to say. Is it was great to see I the Toho, Toho title cards at the top. Did and have a title card during the... 2014? Yeah. Do they I really? Believe so I'm not sure, but I, I think they might have. Because 2000 was like was an offshoot of The Toho. last Toho one, ultimately, wasn't it? So. Godzilla 2000? There's a machine for this. I can confirm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that was ultimately the last Toho Godzilla. So it's like actually almost, be, it's been like 15 years, I think, since they've done a, uh, a Godzilla movie. Yeah, it's been at least 10. At yeah. least 10. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty, I don't know, I'm like excited that it's back, and I felt like they did a good enough job that I would like to see more Godzilla movies like from this one's universe in this version. Like, what do you think a sequel would be? Will they jump right into the, now Godzilla is our friend that will fight these other kaiju for us? Or would it be just the fallout of it having little baby Godzilla creatures? Honestly, I, I would hope for both. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would love for it to be like, not so much that like Godzilla is like a good guy protecting right. us, but like, oh, it's neutral. Now there's two of them. Yeah. Like, how do we deal with that since everyone wanted to nuke us last time? Like, right. I really want them to bring forward like a level of seriousness, yeah. but also like totally up the ending and bring back like uh, Ghidorah or Mothra or uh-huh. like one of the really classic monsters uh-huh. because, you know, they've never shown up in an American film. Like, right. it's been years since yeah. uh, they've done one of those. That's true. Uh, I think what it'll be is another animal attacks, and it's like, well, let's anti-coagulate this Godzilla, right? Because he's the only thing that can possibly stand in its way, like that kind of. A That's thing. what I was wondering if they'll the, it'll become a movie about the red tape of well, now we want to use the thing that almost <laughs> destroyed us to destroy this other thing. How do we get permission to do that? Yeah, very like uh, you know. Um, Doctor Strange love, yes. but like uh, Godzilla is the Doomsday Machine, and yes. they're like, "Oh, we have to use this because this other thing is happening." Yes, that'd be awesome. Uh, which would be a throwback to the original Godzilla. That is ultimately a lot of what that movie is about: is the development of an anti-Godzilla bomb mm-hmm. that would kill all marine life. And so Japan is put in this position where, again, if, if Godzilla represents the bomb itself that was dropped on them, they're put in a position of, do we solve that problem? with the exact same techno like do we do the thing that was done to us as a response Mm -hmm. uh and what's so fascinating about that movie is at the end they sort of wrestle with this idea like maybe we kind of understand the position america was in because we're now in between a rock and a hard place where we feel like we have to drop a bomb on this thing that we know is going to have unreasonable amounts of casualties yeah for a movie like that centers around a giant stomping monster it is so thematically rich it's ridiculous and it's like so few years after it actually happened to them to be having even that conversation like do we understand why it was dropped on us Mm -hmm. is wild yeah i think it's nine years after yeah it was 54 54. yeah yep Yep. pretty pretty wild actually and so that's why i was impressed with this one because i feel like it did bring it back to a political realm of some mm-hmm. kind which for me is where that works that. best the one the one the american uh uh ambassador lady yeah yeah she was like i i don't want to be here i i'm not gonna say drop a bomb on it right my grandmother survived a bomb right you know i, I don't want to see it happen again so like they do touch upon that yeah but we've evolved since then to now there's the disaster relief there's mm-hmm. different relationships throughout the world now just in a geopolitical sense yeah mm-hmm. but they really flexed Similar themes without stepping on, ha, <laughs> stepping on, um, you know, the the toes of the previous themes. Have other Godzilla movies been about the global response to Godzilla? Does anybody know? Not so much in terms of what do we do, but they're more militaristic. I think that's that's the word you used. Yeah. It's it's more mm-hmm. just like, well, there's three monsters now, uh, so we need bigger guns, right? And so, it's so just we'll call in other attack. militaries. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. interesting. 
I mean, I, I'm sure some of them tried to, you know, just ham-handedly tie in some kind of an issue. Well, but, I know even when the original know. one came to America, they, like, shot and included... Uh, oh, yeah, they uh, added a white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, like, <laughs> included a whole American storyline so that it, it played better to American audiences, um, which is also fascinating to think about. I kind of want to see that. I don't think I've seen I've that never version. seen that. I've only yeah. seen the, the original Japanese cut. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I've never seen the American one. Which I'm sure also has the hilarious dubbing that those movies are also famous oh, yeah, for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the other thing that the, those yeah. movies are famous for in well, America is the dubbing. And Godzilla 2000 was a landmark because they dubbed it using Asian American actors. Oh, fascinating. Because <laughs> the, whoever was in charge of the dub was like, I don't want anyone sounding like they're from Iowa. Like, I want, them to, I want it to sound like Japanese that people. That they are Japanese people, yeah. yeah. Well, that was always the good thing about like Jackie Chan movies uh-huh. is they used most of the actors to dub their, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even if it was done phonetically. Yep. Yep. Mm. It was Jackie Chan saying uncle. Yeah. <laughs> as many uncle! times. Uncle! Uncle! <laughs> Rubbing his shin furiously <laughs> comically. It's beautiful. I and I, I just confirmed the 2014 one is and isn't Toho. Ah, it was distributed in, J- in Japan by Toho. Okay, but it was so not they a Toho weren't production. separate from it, but it was like, yeah. you know, they're, they. They Spider-Man did to yep. us. Like you can have I wonder it. if the success of it is what allowed them to make a new Godzilla movie. Probably. You know what I mean? The fit they got to put their name on it as, as a distributor, and it might have given them... Because I think that was the deal, was Toho was like in real trouble as a production company. Because uh, I don't think Godzilla 2000 did all that well. And even that was like the first Godzilla sequel in a long time mm-hmm. previous to it, um, which is pretty interesting. I think the Godzilla versus our destroy all monsters came after that a couple oh, years. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, because I remember when that that popped up, my buddy bought it at Best Buy. I made a day of it. <laughs> yeah. And so that was a little bit later, but I don't know really. It could be, you know, a Three Ninjas situation where the yes. sequel actually came first. Uh-huh. Y'all get it. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know what happened with the Three Ninjas. Knuckle up and kick back, all that stuff. <laughs> they knuckled up before they kicked back, but yep. that's not how you saw them. The kick back came first. Uh-huh. Yep. Rocky evolved and then unevolved. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Tum-tum. Steady all the way through. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to uh, to go on Shin Godzilla. Any, any other uh, final thoughts? Any? No. So, Jill, you weren't crazy about this? I will say, from the very few things that I've seen from the franchise at large, this is the kind of movie that I like the best. Okay, yeah. So it's not a completely a monster movie. There's talking. There's like interesting things being said. Because yeah. I feel like even in the older films, when Godzilla's not on screen, I don't care what's going on. Like what? Much agreed. And I'm like, let's mm-hmm. get him back. Let's mm-hmm. get things going. So this at least entertained me yeah. while he wasn't on, on screen. And if they continue in this vein, I can see myself watching them. Yeah, because so. honestly, if they had been dealing with earthquakes or a big flood, this movie would be like, almost like it would still be very entertaining yeah um you know obviously adding the Godzilla element yes. completely just throws it over the top yeah. um in in a great way but yeah. it would still the rest of those parts all work as a movie uh-huh. and you know the fact that we get this awesome Godzilla action as part of it is like icing on the cake yeah oh that might be my final thought actually was i actually think this is some of the best Godzilla action i've seen in a Godzilla movie mm-hmm. the american yeah. remake I found it included tremendously exciting it was so yeah, fun yeah. i, so I was just i really liked those sequences a lot I cared uh, about what was happening. Yeah, you know, and was... there were a lot of surprises in them. Like even the fact that the monster at the beginning evolved into Godzilla surprised me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought maybe it would be a battle movie. Right, yeah. that's what I thought too. Yeah. So I, I thought that was like an interesting twist, actually. Yeah, it, it was... surprised me. So I kept that out of my review because I didn't yeah. want to say anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was very cool, very well done, and really just interesting and different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. This is the tallest Godzilla we've ever had. 
Uh, even including the American one that came including out in 2014. Wow. <laughs> this wow. one is 118.5 meters tall. That's 388 feet, which bests the 2014 Godzilla of 355 feet. Wow. So it is the biggest. And then the, here's a neat little piece of trivia. The first encounter with Godzilla happens in the movie on November 3rd, which was... Uh, oh. Let's see. November 3rd, which is a reference to... The 11-3 is a reference to 3-11. The band. <laughs> no, March 11th, which is when the earthquake occurred. Right. And yeah. also, November 3rd is the original release date of Godzilla. Ah, oh, that's cool. That's that cool. Yeah, I do hope that if we get a sequel, they have one of those little red lights on top of them so that airplanes like don't accidentally crash into Godzilla's head. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the idea that they're like, we will now have to learn to live with Godzilla. And it's like, you mean your Godzilla statue? It seems pretty easy to live oh, with. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they pulled like a Detroit and this ultimately just... They just decided to build a Godzilla statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the first Toho produced Godzilla film in 12 years. 12 years. So the last was Godzilla Final Wars. Oh, so there actually were other Toho Godzilla movies after 2000. Mm-hmm. Okay. They probably just didn't get big American releases or something. Well, that one, Final Wars, I think that's the Godzilla versus all monsters. Or oh, I think it's okay. Many yep, ones. yep. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to check that out. Uh, do we want to move on to lists? Yeah, so for the list, I mean, Godzilla has been handled so many different ways by so many different people. Yep. And including uh, American directors. We have tried to do a a remake in America. Yeah. And so we decided to bring up list of the list for this. This episode will be the top five American remakes of foreign films. My number Um, one is Ferris Bueller versus Godzilla. There you go. You got (laughs) it. He just walks all over that city. Yeah. did anyone have any caveats on their list as as what they... I'll give you mine right away, which is just, I don't think I've seen the original version of any of these movies. Fair enough. Uh, when I thought Same about the me. ones that I had, you know, like uh, Let Me In, I think Let Me In is actually a pretty great adaptation of a movie, but it's of a movie that I quite like already and didn't think the adaptation was that necessary yeah, for yeah. it. I, I only like, saw the original. Yeah, I love the original. But I hear it's, I hear that, and it is. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty great adaptation. But and I almost wonder if that would be the case for any of these. If I had seen the original first and then the American remake, would I even appreciate them really? Yeah. You know, I tried to stay away from anything that was like based on a novel or some other pre-existing ah, material. Yeah, um, which is w- what moved one movie off my list and into my honorable mentions okay. because I feel like it's probably it's hard to say how much it was influenced by the earlier film or did they really just like not look at it at all and go back to the quote-unquote source material? Right. I have one that I almost disqualified for that reason, but it's like one of my favorite movies ever, so it stayed. Because <laughs> uh, I tried to go, oh, only the things that I've seen both of, and then I just couldn't find enough. <laughs> yeah. That was going to be my caveat otherwise. it's And I'll say this from looking at lists. It would appear uh, France is the country we adapt from the most. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a shitload of French adaptations, uh, yeah. or American adaptations of French movies. Uh, a whole fucking lot of them. It turns out. I think almost all of my my list is French in or in or yeah. in origin. I what was funny to me was looking at all of these different lists to try to get an idea of what was out there and seeing like how many of them were French movies. And then the only other comparable country was Germany. We've also done a lot of adaptations of German movies. I've never heard of any of the German movies. I've heard of almost oh. every one of the French adaptations we've <laughs> oh, done. Yeah. I've never heard of the German ones. <laughs> that was just I don't know. That's interesting to me. 
All right, who wants to start? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I, kick it off. You want to go? Go yeah, ahead. I'll go. We can go around. So yeah, my, that sounds good. My list is ranked because it's more fun. Mine's not, but go ahead. That's Mine's fine. ranked. Yeah. Um, we're good. So we're starting at five. Starting at five. Starting at five. Right, so my number five movie is Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a wonderful movie. Like, I honestly probably have not seen it in like 15 years, but it used to be on like the Disney Channel all uh-huh. the time. And um, I just remember like finding it constantly hilarious. Uh, I saw it in theaters as a child for my birthday. I've uh, never seen it. I really want don't to. Don't remember anything about it. <laughs> nice. I'll jump in here because it's also on my list. <laughs> oh, nice. um, I was obsessed with this movie as a kid. I was in love with the actor who, and I forget his name. Um, it's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, it's right? It's not. No. He actually is on um, Being Human, oh. which was a recent TV show. Yeah, MTV set. did that, right? Or sci-fi? Was, I think it was a sci-fi oh, channel. Okay. Um, and I'm forgetting his name, and it's annoying me. His, uh, Sam Worthington, I think is his name. Wait, Sam Worthington? Sam, Sam Huntington. Sam Huntington. Huntington. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's what <laughs> Sam Worthington's career started Sorry. as? Wait a minute. The dude from, oh, I like that guy. He was going to be Jimmy Olsen for, for a little while. He oh, was no. in the, the Brian Singer uh uh, not Man of Steel, Superman Returns. Oh, oh he cool. was in um, Rolling Kansas. I oh, I've never that seen movie. that. <laughs> That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Um, it was always on TV at one point or another, and I would always stop to watch it. Yeah, it's a great Martin Short movie. Which yeah. is not something you can say very often, but he's really good in it and really funny. Yes. Uh, what is it a remake of? Um, it's a French movie. A French it is a French movie, but I don't, I don't remember what it's called. I nor do I know anything about the the pre- uh, French movie. Can have a different premise. I'm I not going to no pronounce yeah. this right, but I found it here. Un Indian dans la vie. <laughs> the Indian in the city? Maybe Indian that's what that means? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fascinating. I can't believe that made somebody's list. All right, we're <laughs> off to a good start. Uh, and I can't believe you just referenced it as a Martin Short movie. It's clearly a Tim Allen movie. It you can't is. Tim Allen is terrible. Like that. <laughs> of course <laughs> he is. <laughs> I always want to give Martin Short more love. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he, no, the, the Canadian school. I, listen, I defend. Uh, what's that movie called with Ben Foster and Cisco uh, that Martin Short get is over also it. in? Yeah, no, I'm saying get over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called. I love that movie. Martin Short's great in it. Yeah. Have you ever seen Clifford with Martin I'm Short as the ten year old boy? Yeah. It's incredible because <laughs> it's this, it's like the cable guy thing where yeah. the guys, you know. Nobody believes that he's evil, but yeah. it's Martin Short is like a ten year old boy. And then uh who's the guy from Midnight Run? Charles Grodin oh, yeah. is his stepdad or dad yeah. who just screams his way through the whole movie. <laughs> it's I'm like cheesy just thinking about it. It's so funny. It's terrifying <laughs> because he's just he's a little ten year old boy played by you know, Martin Short. like a middle aged yeah. Martin it's awesome. I gotta see it. <laughs> you gotta see it. It's so, there's a scene where he's where Charles Grodin's just yelling at him like, "Can't you just be normal?" And he's just making these faces yeah. like, "He's like, no, stop making faces. Just be a regular boyfriend." And he just, yeah. <laughs> he just can't stop being a thing. It's so, it's terrifying. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess I would call this number five. I really like uh, Insomnia. I quite like uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's Insomnia, which also French, I think. I think. I think, I think it's so. Danish. Danish. Yes, uh, you're right. Actually, I think. I think it is Danish. The Danes would be the bronze medalist in the U.S. <laughs> remake Olympics. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, it's. I mean, uh, I think the thing I like most about it is I really enjoy Robin Williams, and I really enjoy the sort of off-kilter Robin Williams performances that he did later in his career. Uh, this is certainly one of them, uh, and it is kind of a fascinating concept. It's definitely, for me, the least of uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, uh, it's time to ultimately. Revisit it. I, I actually have 
I think I've seen it but once ever. Yeah, I saw it a handful of times when I was younger and like first obsessed with Christopher Nolan because mm-hmm. I had seen uh uh, what's it called? Memento. Memento, yeah. and I watched that over and over and that over again. That movie taps into a very real fear. Oh god, the have, cell phones are causing craziness on oh, the podcast. So, which is when you do something wrong that that you know by accident, but then yeah. you're in over your head. Yeah, that's very terrifying to me. Yeah, I have a recurring dream where, and I, I don't know what the event is, but I do something that seems innocent, and now I have a life sentence in prison. <laughs> but I feel like insomnia captures that. Like, yeah, he tried to go by the book, right. and. You know, it it just exploded. Yep, in over his head, tanked it. Uh, yeah, I quite like that movie. I think that one's pretty good. I mean, it's, that would be bottom of my list probably, but I, I think that one's pretty good. I'd like to watch it again. Uh, my number five is Solaris, the Steven Soderbergh. I've not remake. seen either version of that. I've either. never seen the original. I hear it's good, but I I very much liked the uh, the remake. Not much else to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's based on a book. The movie was based on a book. Yep. This was based on that movie, but it's. It's one of those where you can't really say too much about it because it's it's a talkie that the reveals are what draw you in, but yeah. it's a very cool sci-fi concept. Yeah, it's uh, Tarkovsky did the original, is that right? Is that his uh, name? Something like that. I think that's his name. Uh, and then the remake has uh, George Clooney, right? George yes. Clooney and Clooned the dog. guy who played Daniel, Daniel Faraday in uh, Lost. Oh, really? Oh, He's in that movie? I love that yeah. guy. Yeah, He's that guy's awesome. great. What was that? I was watching something recently. Yeah, that Tarkovsky up did the original. Oh, Secretary. Secretary. Yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, I've heard he's that's like great. the like infinite boyfriend. Oh, interesting. In that, which yeah. is Jeremy Davis. Sensible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jeremy <laughs> Davis. Got John yes. Cho in it. Ah, look at that. Viola Davis. Ooh, great cast. Good movie. Yeah. yeah that it's sounds a awesome. pretty, pretty interesting flick. I would watch that. What else you got, Ryan? So my number four is Just Visiting, which is also based on a French movie. I was going to make that joke after you said Jungle to Jungle. I was like, <laughs> is it The Visitors? And then... <laughs> What's Just I, Visiting? I, I don't know that I know uh, that one. So it's a time travel movie where okay. it's like a reverse uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court oh. where knights come to the present day. Uh-huh. Um, it's one where I have actually seen both. And I believe the American remake was directed by the same guy who made the French version. Didn't they both have genre now? And genre yeah. stars in both. You've oh. seen the Applegates in the American version. Okay. They're both funny. And they're yeah. both very similar, um, but I remember it's one of the few times I've been alone in a theater watching it because I was taking my younger brother and his friend to like some, it might have been like the third Pokemon movie <laughs> after I had had enough. And, you know, I was like, all right, you guys go watch that. And I guess I'll see this other movie. Yeah. And it, I had a great time. It's yeah, very funny from what I remember, but I haven't seen it since then, to be yeah. fair. I will second it. I um, That was a movie that I did not want to watch. And my roommate <laughs> was like, dude, you got to watch this. It's so funny. I'm like, I just fucking put it on. And then it was, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very silly. It's, yeah. It yes. very much just leans on that concept. Yeah, fish out of water kind of thing. But it's good. Yeah. yeah. They um, fight a truck with swords because they think it's a dragon. <laughs> it's know, awesome. But usually roommates are recommending Boondock Saints. So that's yes. a step yes. up. That's a step <laughs> up step from, up. from Boondock Saints. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that that's how we're going to classify that movie. Ah, typical roommate recommendation. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always, we can watch Green Street Hooligans or Boondock Saints. <laughs> yeah. No. no, nope, no. neither. I've never seen Green Street Hooligans, yeah. but it's never been recommended to me in a separate breath from <laughs> Boondock Saints, so I just will not touch yeah. it. I'm over it. It's a good policy. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a clean policy. It's taken me so far. It's kept me away from smoking aces too. So we're good. <laughs> we're good. Uh, my number four is Parent Trap. Oh yeah, fantastic! Yes. I forgot that that's an adaptation. The um, Haley Mills version, uh-huh. although the Lindsay Lohan version is actually pretty good. But um, mm. Haley Mills was one of my favorite actresses as a kid, and I love that movie. So that is my number four. Oh, I love that. What's yeah. the original one called? I believe it's German, and I I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's the title is like the two, the names of the two kids. Oh, in okay, it. yeah. It's like you know, um, like it's Hans no. and Handel, or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever German names there are, but. 
Yeah. yeah. It's not I'm trapped to parents. <laughs> yeah. Und parent. <laughs> the trapeze artist and the parent. I didn't know you spoke. Based <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the book, Das Doppelt Lot Lotchen. Yeah, Doppelt is like doppel doppelganger. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, maybe. Okay. Lotchen uh, would be a, maybe that's their last. The name. double children or yeah. something like that. Just because we love to reference uh, local Philadelphia comedians, Michael S. Watkins has a great joke where he goes, "Man, I was watching The Parent Trap the other day. What a movie! Hey." Whatever happened to Lindsay Lohan's sister? <laughs> <laughs> she pretty got good. a good job. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, let's see. I think I will go with uh, Vanilla Sky as my next one. That's the one I saw on your list. I was like, oh. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, original uh, film is a Spanish film, I believe. Abra and Ojos. Oh, you know the title. See the movie. Uh, it's a good movie. Penelope oh, it's good. Cruz plays the same character. Oh, fascinating. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen the original. I've heard really good things about it. I hear maybe the ending is is a bit uh, differed in, in the original. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I like Vanilla Sky better. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I uh, Kurt Russell, right? If I'm not mistaken, as the, uh, the therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Cruise in, uh, this was like actually one of my early Cruise experiences just because, you know, this movie came out in like 2002, I think, or something like mm-hmm. that. So it was right when I was sort of like getting into my peak movie fandom and seeing mm-hmm. lots of stuff. Uh, and uh, I this movie still like, I have images like burned into my head from this movie. Him standing on the empty Times Square. Oh, yeah. I will oh, yeah. always remember Jason Lee saying, ah, I'm not too dry, but I can drunk home fine. <laughs> and then he looks at the ceiling like Tim Allen. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, the uh, scene where she rolls over in bed and it's a different person entirely. Yeah, yes. That was the moment. Because I remember following the movie and being like, this isn't hard to follow. Yeah. It's a little trippy, but I got, oh, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I remember him telling her he wants to live on the mole on her breast. That's like one of my, I just, I very specifically remember that moment in the movie. It's like, I'm going to live right here. And he just keeps pointing at her boob. That was when Penelope Cruz and Tom Cruz were dating. And so the joke was they would just keep their last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I quite like that movie. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little long, if I remember right, like two and a half, mm. if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Hours, not minutes. I would say that uh, Cameron Crowe is a little indulgent yes. sometimes. Yeah. I'm not yeah. the hugest fan. And that's certainly one of his weirder movies, actually, ultimately, Probably too. Oh, favorite of his yeah. oh really? Yeah. I, I don't love Cameron Crowe that much. I yeah. hate Say Anything. Yeah. Oh, it's I like just, Say Anything. Uh, I don't know. It just it feels dishonest to me. I don't yeah. know. But whatever. Lloyd Dobler. Uh, my number four is The Last House on the Left, ah. which I found as a remake of Jungfru Kallen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw um, that when I was looking uh, up lists, and I was like, that's a remake? That's unreal. I've never seen the original, but yeah. I don't even really like that movie in terms of it's not entertaining, but it's like it's essential. Yeah. Uh, it's a piece of film that I just... <laughs> Early Craven, this, right? It's the first Craven. Yeah. Oh. And it, I just have this intense respect for it because it just goes... It goes really big, yeah. right off the bat, you know. That's, and it's it's a movie that probably couldn't be made now, shouldn't be made now, and I don't even want to see. Didn't now. they actually remake um, it fairly recently? They did, but the the difference is, and this is going to sound weird, and I'm going to have a hard time justifying it. But in the original, the daughter is raped and killed, right? And so the parents just go on mad revenge. Vengeance, yeah. In the remake, she is raped and beaten, but survives. Oh. So it's like a rescue mission more than a revenge mission. Not even a, it's a, it's still a revenge yeah. mission, but it's like it feels none of it ever feels justified. I mean, the mom bites one of the dudes' dicks off in the <laughs> original. Yeah, but uh, 
it's when she's dead, you go, oh, these parents have gone mad. Yeah. When she's been raped and beaten, it's like these parents should go get her some help. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a weird thing, and so in terms of it being, you know, exploitative as an exploitation film, yeah, I just have this tremendous respect for the original because it it goes there, even though I don't know if we even needed to go there, but. Well, it's I also it. love the the fantastically like wrong-headed modern decision to go, hey, you know what was bad about that movie? Not the rape, the fact that she got murdered. Let's cut the murder <laughs> part out and make sure we keep the rape keep, part. We gotta right. have something, and it's gotta be the most horrific thing. Right. And mm-hmm. those we've these they're the two most horrific things. Yeah. So it's like one's gotta go. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep her alive. Yeah, what a fucking yeah. fascinating <laughs> wrong-headed way to think about that. It's so weird. It's just it's one of those movies that that really didn't need to be remade because the whole point of it existing is that it's just old and raw and schlocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, I've heard nothing but that movie is like totally like uh like it's a difficult thing to sit through actually yeah, because yeah. it's so even on the parents' part, you're like, this is justified, maybe, but fuck. You, you know? just gotta keep telling yourself it's only a movie. It's only a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Okay. Uh, Ryan. All right. So my number three is True Lies. Yeah, that's uh, gonna be my number three as well. <laughs> Let's talk about. I didn't consider that, and that's probably in my top five all-time favorite movies. Oh, it's so it's so good. It's so much fun. Like uh-huh. you know, it's very much almost like an American. Like I think of it as an American Bond film, right? Um, and it's James Cameron just doing all the crazy shit he wants to do. Yeah. That's not sci-fi mostly. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, mostly. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's a ton of fun. It's really long, yes. so it's like hard to. It's a hard recommend for people who aren't don't already appreciate James Cameron. But I like it, to movie movie recommends. We've done yeah. it as an episode. We have Look a back up. episode. Yeah. Look it up. I'll have to go listen to that. We yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it is. It's fascinating because it's very Cameron-y, but also like the least Cameron-y Cameron movie, even though it's so Cameron-y still. <laughs> when it exists in a climate of what we understand a Schwarzenegger movie to be. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that the original couldn't possibly have. It's having, and like the the most unlikely comic duo in oh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold. Like, what an yeah. unlikely pairing that is so great. <laughs> that is without a doubt my favorite James Cameron movie and my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. Hands down. Nice. It's a lot. Yeah. Of fun, love that. Film. Uh, and yeah, it's ba- I can't remember what country the original is from. I think that's also French, also French. Yeah, yeah, it, that seems like a French movie, actually. <laughs> uh, a spy uh, who's losing love with his wife, and they once they tell each other the truth, they fall back in love. That seems like a very <laughs> French thing, yeah. We, oui, we, oui. yeah, uh, yeah, that movie's great. What do you got, Jill? Um, number three for me is The Departed. Oh, ah, that's based... on my list as well. Let's talk about it. <laughs> sure, which is based on the rare Chinese film. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, which Infernal there's affairs. actually like three of those, right? I think there's like, what, uh, the infer- like Infernal, Infernal Affairs. affairs. I think there's like two or three of them. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yep. I've seen the original. It's pretty good. Yeah, I have to say, like, I was a little disappointed that I had to put this on because I don't remember too much of it i did i did like it when i saw it but the um big climax moment was kind of ruined for me before no. I, and i think you probably know what i'm thinking yeah. of but um so i don't think i got the full um emotion of the movie when i first yeah, saw it, it it's not my favorite scorsese but right. i do love trying to track like who's actually on what side yes. and the amount right, of double right. crossing mm-hmm. i do remember like being i guess it was in college when it came out and i was like at the point where I was like, oh, the, the rat that shows up in the end and like kind of waltzes across the dog. And I was like, oh, it's so dumb. Like, it's so <laughs> on the nose. Like, we yeah. don't know what's going on. And now I don't, don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not my favorite Scorsese. I mean, obviously, happy he won the Oscar finally for that movie. Yes. Um, but I also really appreciate Martin Sheen. Yeah. His role in that movie is Ooh. awesome. When he got it, that like, 
That's a that's a big moment. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. that's a splat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I quite like that movie. That that I think as far I mean I've actually liked quite a few modern Scorsese movies, I like but I think that one really might be the one that feels the most Scorsese out of like a lot of his like the modern moment stuff. where Ray Winstone pulls the fuck it. Yeah, that is a big. Kind of heartbreaking moment. Yeah. I don't know, but it's uh, it's also kind of one of the movies where Leonardo DiCaprio finally grew up too. He yeah. was like yeah. right in that era mm-hmm. where he like really finally kind of like shifted from being a young actor to like a man, a man. Yeah, <laughs> and we uh, got to hear Matt Damon say the words. But what about the departed? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I still think I prefer um, Shutter Island probably yes, in terms of latter day Scorsese. I actually do too. And Wolf of Wall Street. So yeah. like, I feel like since like I really loved it when it came out. Yeah. Like, but I think since then he's just done stuff that's more like more scorsese if that makes interesting sense. Yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah departed feels most like classic scorsese to me out of all that stuff but i i think i see what you mean yeah because uh, well, i certainly too, they they rewrote just to beef up nicholson's parts so that mm. they could get him because mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it he was like ah, eh, there's not enough I, yeah I, I i like to sleep yeah they're like well let's give you some more and which I think worked out in the movie's favor so to be too. honest with you that, that stuff works really well yeah. i've never seen the original i've heard great things about it it's good. It's a more basic version of just the two guys coming up. Real cat the, and mouse yeah. kind of thing. But it, it's it's just lighter. You yeah. Know, it's it's a it's a crime drama. Whereas yeah. this one is a Scorsese thing where it's oh no we're gonna spend a decade. Yeah. It's about the know, neighborhood yeah. and it's about yeah 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 interesting. Uh, we've already done two more of my picks. Hit me, Dan. All right. So this one I I don't know if it's an English language remake, but I put it in there because I think it's such an interesting movie. It's called The Last Horror Movie, mm. and it's sort of a man bites dog riff. Mm-hmm. Um, we should actually do an episode on it. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's done in the form of this guy who is like a wedding photographer. Uh-huh. He's also just recording uh, his serial killing spree. Ah. But he's just like, a, you know, you see his normal life and then you see him, you know, at night. But the reason why I tie it into Man Bites Dog is it follows the same pattern of the cameraman's complicit. So now the cameraman kind of wants in, but he's like a little in it. So he becomes a character too. Mm-hmm. And both of them just. Uh, explored the same themes but one was a black and white french criterion artsy fartsy film <laughs> and the other one was produced by fangoria pictures so uh, it's like, I gotcha, awesome. yeah. it, it has that but i i saw it it's the first movie i ever saw at a philadelphia film festival ah, cool and it's very cool there's a gag that kind of requires that you rented it on vhs and i uh. can't say much more about that or else it spoils it but when you watch it it loses one thing now that we're not there anymore yeah but Totally worth watching. Interesting. Yeah, the yeah. last horror movie. That very, very awesome. cool. Very Man Bites Dog. Uh, that sounds similar to Creep in some way as well. Sort of. Sort yeah. of. But it's uh, it's more that they're interacting with you, the viewer. Okay. Because the big question that both are asking is, well, I'm filming this and I'm the criminal, but you haven't turned it off yet. Uh-huh. So yeah. maybe you're just as complicit as yeah. I am because you love this stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't do it if I didn't have viewers. Yeah. You could just turn it off right now, but you won't. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It explores that. Interesting. What do you got, Ryan? Uh, so my number two is A Fistful of Dollars, which uh-huh. is uh, the remake of Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. I had no idea that was a Yojimbo remake until yeah. I was reading these lists. Well, yeah, they got sued over it oh, because really? they didn't ask for permission. It was uh-huh. like an, uh, you know, it was almost like the Star Wars Hidden Fortress kind yeah. of thing. Um, and I, Yojimbo is by far a better movie, at least more interesting to me. Uh-huh. But there's something about like maybe it's the you know hopeful future dad in me that just loves like that whole no man with no name trilogy yes where like you put them on you don't really want to be bothered yeah. you just absorb them because yeah. they're long they're beautiful uh-huh. they've got a lot of gunplay uh-huh. like just that like breaks out all the time yeah um and it's just it's just a great movie the fistful of dollars is the one with the gatling gun towards the end 
Yes. Or is that a few dollars more? I think that's a fistful of dollars. I think that's a fistful of dollars. Yeah. yeah. That movie's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great movie. I've never seen Yojimbo, though, so I, I don't know how it Definitely. Uh, holds up. Yeah, Yojimbo's really, really yeah, good. That's um, it's, a, it's a really cool movie. Yeah, I would like to. I have, I think I'm still no Kurosawa. I think I still have not seen any Kurosawa. Did you see Seven Samurai? Not yet. Uh, I've uh, tried to get it in before Magnificent Seven, but I didn't have time. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jill? Uh, my number two, Three Men and a Baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, we nice. talked about this. So I was like, that's a remake. Love it to death. Again, another one that I loved as a young child and still do. And it was on TV all the time. Uh, Ted Danson, Tom Selleck, and Gutenberg together are like amazing. And <laughs> the Goot. The Goot. And um, yeah, absolutely love it. I believe that was a Leonard Nimoy picture, was it? Was I it believe, not? yes, yeah. I believe yeah. it was. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he make the sequel? Does anybody know? Was he involved in Three, Three Men, Men and, and a, a Little Lady? lady? I, don't I don't know if that would have been logical. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, it's not. <laughs> uh, has anyone seen that sequel? That's a better question. Yes, I have. How is it? <laughs> so okay, I know that it's not a good movie. I still like it. <laughs> I can. I, I know it's not, but uh-huh. I. Yeah, I liked it. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember Three Men and a Little Baby at all. I know I've seen it probably five or six times when I was like a kid, but I have no memories of that movie whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I I know that I saw it when I was a kid, but I, I remember nothing about it except yeah. like the poster. Yes, you yeah, yeah. Visit it because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I always conflate it with like the baby scenes in Ghostbusters too. I just assume uh, yeah. that those three guys are <laughs> lurking around somewhere when there's a baby crawling on a, uh, a windowsill. Yeah, the best scene in that movie is when Tom Selleck has to change the diaper of his baby for the first time, it brings me to tears. <laughs> and Brian should know, like, I don't really laugh out loud in movies. Like, it's very rare that I do. Yeah. I'm crying when I'm watching this because <laughs> of what he's saying, what he's doing. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks back when we watched Popstar uh, was the first time I've heard you laugh out loud in a movie in a very long time. Yeah, I don't know what it is about. I, I, I do find things funny. Oh, I absolutely. Just... <laughs> it just doesn't get that response it of laughing get that out loud. What got you in Popstar? I'm, I'm curious. Um, Where did your big laugh oh, come? God. I, Mine was, was the, the penis in the window. Yeah. <laughs> that that <laughs> was good. Was um, it the wolf attack with Seal? Oh, yes, that the is wolf so attack. funny. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. It that was, was so it, funny. It was the wolf attack. so funny. God, I loved that movie. Like the more I thought about it, I'm like that movie. Oh yeah, great. oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really fun. Uh, all right, I'll throw another one in the mix here. Uh, uh, not quite my number one, but uh, the Birdcage is. Uh, yes. A, uh, have you guys ever seen the Birdcage? That's uh, not, it's my number one. Actually. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> another Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, why can't I think of his name now? Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Nathan he's great Lane. in Nathan it, Lane. but Nathan Lane is yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, you know, I've never seen La Cage Faux, actually, and I've heard that that really is great. Um, I own it, have not watched it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a Criterion. It release, is a Criterion, right? yeah. and we own we own it. Uh, I've heard it's great, but I, I mean, I really, The Birdcage is really funny. And truthfully, it's like, you know, it's sort of a, a pretty forward-thinking, you know, as far as American movies go, its depiction of a gay couple on screen is uh, pretty ahead of its time for when it, because I think it was in the 80s that they did this or was it early nineties? Early nineties. Early nineties. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's. I, but I think importantly, it's pre Will and Grace. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it also is that thing of like the, you have the masculine gay guy, mm-hmm. you have the more effeminate gay guy, and then you watch them sort of switch roles depending on like the situation. Ninety six. Interesting. It's yeah. even later than I thought. Um, but uh, and you know Gene Hackman gets to actually kind of play Gene Hackman in it, which is like wildly hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Where he's just like not comfortable with anything that's happening I around him. That was Mike Nichols. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a great movie. It's really, really good, and it's very funny. It's extremely funny. Yeah, uh, what's his name plays their butler, uh, who's just always Hank Azaria. Yeah, yeah, Hank Azaria plays the butler. He's yeah. always in those jean cutoffs. Also, yeah, also in Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I really like the Birdcage. I, th- I think that's a, a very fun one. Ryan and I quote that movie to each other on a regular basis. Yeah, it's it's a staple. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, what, what do you quote? Is there? Yeah, that's fine. One of my roommates okay. will get it. Uh, um, the scene where I think uh, Robin Williams's character is trying to instruct one of the one of the dancers that he's working with, and he just goes through a series of impressions of other famous dancers. And <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, fussy, fussy, fussy. <laughs> yeah. You're Madonna. Did Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. <laughs> and Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. Did you keep it all inside? <laughs> he's basically just saying there. The, the joke is that he's sta- telling the guy that basically just stands still the whole time. But yeah. imagine, but himself. imagine you're you're doing this eclectic celebration of a dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. He's That's so great. good. Last time I watched that was with my grandmother. Oh, what did and, she think? Uh, I, that's totally not something that I would think she would find funny because yeah. she's old-fashioned there's some air quotes there but she was like howling oh really so yeah she thought it was wonderful oh that's great i love that maybe she just never figured out that they were gay she somehow (laughs) didn't understand that aspect of the movie i wouldn't put it past (laughs) she said some things that blow my mind (laughs) uh, what do you got scully all right so um my uh i'm gonna actually pull uh, an audible here and switch them switch my number two number one my number two now is sorcerer ah william friedkin take on the wages of fear yeah which was i believe either i think it was a french slash italian production okay based on the novel of the same name the la salaire de la I've never seen Sorcerer. Everybody talks about this movie. Well, it came out uh, on the heels of Star Wars. So it got derailed immediately. Just never, never. Is it like a space odyssey? Is that why? No, not at all. Oh, okay. It's, well, and that's that's the other problem is that it was called Sorcerer and it was Friedkin's follow-up to The Exorcist. Right. And it's not supernatural at all. Oh, interesting. It's just a bunch of criminals that need an ex- they need some money and they need an excuse to be out of their home countries. Yeah. So they are tasked with driving a truck across, like through a jungle that is just filled with very, very, very volatile TNT. Oh. The pay is very high, but... Even the slightest thing could set it off. Uh, so, so it's, it's like just a, tense. So it's like a broken arrow kind of situation. Yes, it's a broken <laughs> arrow, but but believe it or not, even better. Oh, <laughs> no. it's, uh, it's really really good. But they you know they have to get through it, and it's uh, Roy Scheider. Oh, cool. Yes, awesome. I love Roy Scheider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, highly recommend. That's I do want to see that. The best movies you'll ever see. Yeah, it's just grimy and dirty, but. It's just so intense, and every possible thing that could go wrong, of course, does. Yeah. And so the whole time you're just, uh-huh. and it's it's not very picky with who and when it gets exploded. Yeah. So you do feel like oh, th- anything could happen. Yeah. There's no cool. one star that is you know the guy who's gonna make it. Yeah. It's, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Does he ever say he's gonna need a bigger truck? <laughs> no, no, no. But you know. You, can, that you should, can pretend that. That actually should be like the Expendables 4 plot. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, that yeah. would be awesome. Keep it that Amazing. straightforward. Get yeah. down to the least expendable of all of them. Exactly. Yeah. That would yeah. be very cool. Uh, so my number one is another French remake, uh, 12 Monkeys. Hey, I knew it was going to hit on it. <laughs> mine too. I, I yeah. cut that off my list because I knew we'd all have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. it's also one of my... It's probably my second favorite Philadelphia Woo. movie. Um, after uh, the Brian De Palma... Oh, Blowout? Blowout, Yeah. yeah. Um, but Twelve Monkeys is just up. It's so great. I mean, it's so Terry. Good. It's my favorite. It's also my favorite Terry, Terry Gilliam Me movie. Too. Yep. Um, Bruce Willis is really great. He's great. In it. I think Brad Pitt is. You yes. know, this was to me when it was like, oh right, you actually could be a character actor. It doesn't matter that you're so good looking. Yes. 
Um, and I actually remember going to the art museum and having to go in a weird entrance because they were filming on the steps that day, oh. which like you know doesn't reinforce how much I like the movie except right. a little bit. But yeah. um, well, you got the uh, the 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 mental institution he finds himself in was all shot at the penitentiary, yes. which is really cool. Yeah, um, and it's I love time travel movies. Like Me that, too. That's like my favorite genre, and it's a great time travel yes. movie because it's actually like it all makes logical sense more yes. or less. Um, yeah. It's just it's so wonderful. Yeah. It's kind of the perfect mix of like the steampunk aesthetic of Gilliam, uh-huh. but yes. it also has this weird like biological factor to it. The time travel device. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's goops. Yes, and that's a cool thing to to put together. Yes. And Frank Gorshin, one of his last. Oh roles. right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that movie. I there's something. It's a little long, I think, so I find it like a little difficult to go back to. Uh, then just watch La Jete. It's like 10 minutes. Is it, is it really? <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's yeah, a short okay. film. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's I, cool, too. I would like to see it. Yeah. Well, because even... It's all still pictures. It's not a movie. Oh, it's oh, just still cool. pictures that the camera films and there's sound. Because every time I watch 12 Monkeys, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go watch that original short. And then uh-huh. I'm like, mm, no, I'm going to watch something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. cool. It, it's, it literally is just the time travel thing. Oh, that's awesome. It's just the loop. It's cool. That is really yeah. neat. Uh, yeah, I like the way they... I think it's on Netflix, too. Ooh. I really like the way Gilliam sort of gets that loop across, too, because he like he actually kind of fools you with that. You don't quite realize what it is until the very end, mm-hmm. which seems ridiculous when you get to the end and you realize how many times you've seen it yes. and all the pieces that he builds into it to sort of clue you into that that's what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those movies where like you watch it a second time and yeah. you're like, oh my God, Like I had no idea there all was this, this much was in front stuff. of my yeah, face. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I uh, deeply appreciate that about yes, it. Yes, I, I quite like that movie. Um uh, and that fucking weirdo that plays the the dude with the blonde ponytail. Oh yeah, yeah, so memorable to me. I don't know why. I don't think I've ever seen him in another movie. <laughs> but he he's just so fucking. There's something so weird about the way that guy looks that I find him very memorable. Mm-hmm. Which is literally his function in that movie yeah. is to be so odd looking that he's extremely memorable to Bruce Willis's character. Yeah, and I love that the people in the future like it's like that they're making the problem because yes. like that wouldn't have that idea doesn't really come from anywhere right. that like that the way it plays with the timeline that way is just so much fun to me. I, I actually it's one of those movies where I because it's so long, I don't rewatch it that often. Mm-hmm. And so every time I do go back to it, I have a distant enough memory of it that it's kind of fresh every time, but I also feel like I come away with like a new understanding of it every time too. There's like some sort of layer that I just didn't even pick up on the last mm-hmm. time I saw it that I'm now reading into this time, which I think is like an incredible thing that a movie can be. Yeah. Something that can kind of reveal more of itself the more times you watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I fucking love that movie. I think it's my favorite Gilliam as well. Yeah. Not Brazil? You're crazy. I, you know, I only uh, saw that once, uh, uh, and I enjoyed it. But you know, I, yeah. I Brazil's good. Um, the other time travel movie that he did. Oh, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Bandits. Yeah, so good. Yeah. A lot of fun. Time Bandits is so great. Good. But uh, I, like I think Baron von Munchausen as well, actually, quite a bit. Yeah, that, I, I need to cross that off my list. It's real but, fun. Uh, really, but I think really Twelve fun. Monkeys r- managed to be extremely Gilliam while also being like. A really entertaining movie. Yeah, that's it's true. like his most mainstream movie, which is a crazy thing to say considering if what it is. If you're not looking right. for Gilliam, you wouldn't be off put by Gilliam. Right, yeah. right. And so I think that blend just works, speaks to me in a way that like Brazil, like I appreciate it, but yeah. I don't always enjoy the actual watching of it mm. the way I do for Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Fair enough. Love Brazil. Let's hit some more <laughs> number ones. Who else? Who else? Jill. Uh, Birdcage is my number one. Birdcage, your number one. That's right. Yeah. Dan. Yeah, okay. Um, I loved both of these movies. I saw the original at a film festival many years back. 
and then the remake is on Netflix. We are what we are. I kind of knew this was going to make your list. Yeah. I know you're a big like fan this. of this. I th- Jim Mickle, I think, is really, really good and yeah. growing and did a lot of good movies. But he took a concept and a lot of the themes of the same movie and wrote a completely different movie that is definitely a remake. Definitely a remake. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not... Like, you could watch both and not be spoiled mm-hmm. by having a repetitive plot. But it's just about a family of cannibals mm-hmm. that abide very closely to tradition in their, you know, their cannibal ways. There's like a, uh, what's the word? They have like a, there's just a tradition to it. There's yeah, they like have a certain way they tradition. have to prepare the body, and they there's like well, all there's these like certain steps reasons they have to go for why through. they do. It's it's a rite as yeah. well as how they eat. And then when a you know, a, a devastating family event yeah. upsets that, and they're still trying to continue that process, things have to change. But um, I actually like the remake better. The original is really good. It's um, it's Mexican, I believe, mm-hmm. and it's all in Spanish, but uh, the remake kind of takes it to this this just absurdly gruesome end. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that movie. I remember not being as keen on it as mm-hmm. you were, but I did see that American remake. It's a good companion piece to the original, yeah. too, and I think that might help with, yeah, your, yeah. with your watching of it because the both of them leave some ambiguities where it's not until later where you go, oh, that's what they were doing. Right. That's really interesting. And then it'll inform a scene earlier on where you're like, oh, the motivations are different than that first time experiencing mm-hmm. it. But Jim Mickle is really, really good at character development. Mm. Um, his first movie is called Mulberry Street. Right. Rat Zombies. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Not the best movie in the world, but the characters are all positively engaging. Ah. Stakeland. It's a vampire road oh, yeah, I heard movie. That that's yeah. all right. But Stakeland's the characters pretty good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, the character work is solid. And so that just happens even more here. Cold in July is awesome. Yeah, you said you really like that. Love that movie. That's another one where it's like... I turned it on and I was transported to two in the morning watching HBO at my parents' house right. when I was like 15. Yeah. It's like, this is one of those movies. It's, yeah. Mickle's the real deal and We Are What We Are is way better than, than it even needed to be. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, having to spend time with uh, like Leatherface's family for a whole movie yeah. if they were actually like a family that wasn't insane. But you're sympathetic towards <laughs> yeah. them too because some of them, you know, it's it's the same way. I'll bring in Nana once again. Yeah. It's the same way why when Nana says something racist, I just go with it yeah. because it's like, well, that's all she knows. They are what they are. And so like these kids here, they're raised in a cannibal family. And if they've got to keep this going, it's what they know. And it's like, I don't agree with it, but you know, whatever gets you to sleep at night, that's (laughs) not that I want that necessarily, but you know, you, you, you find a way to identify with them. Whereas Leatherface, I, I don't think you do. Yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah. I think that's why I find that X Files episode Home really disturbing uh, with the like, hands, yeah, yeah, and like the like, um, like incestuous family, and okay. they have all the traps in their home in the, in their house, and like, it's just very unsettling because you realize that like this family has kind of been doing this for generations, mm-hmm. and like the town just treats them as like local weirdos that mm-hmm. they don't see all that much, and like as like Mulder and Scully go in there, they start to uncover more and more twisted like aspects of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. I've never, I've like not really watched X-Files, so I don't have much of a reference point for that, yeah. but you just sold me on at least one episode. <laughs> you, should, you should you Google should. like the greatest hits episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of filler, which is fun. Cause it's like monster of the week stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's like, there's a really good episode that is uh, an early Vince Gilligan. Oh, cool. and it has Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. Cool. And it's, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, uh, there's also a cool, cool one that's like a thing riff. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah. Love that. There's, there's a lot of great stuff in X-Files. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Cause we recently just ran Dove the series. back in. Yeah. Yeah. Having never seen it before. Oh, and cool. it, it totally holds up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. My favorite thing is whenever 
like explicit supernatural shit happens to Mulder, and then Scully will just come running in as soon as it's over. Like I was locking the car. What did I miss? And it's like you won't believe me. And she's like, I don't believe you. And it just does yeah. that over and over. Yeah. Love it. It's great. Any honorable mentions on uh, people's lists here? Yeah, I, I, uh, I have an honorable mention. Uh, David Fincher's Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, uh, yeah, I've not seen that. Um, I've se- Having seen both, it's one of the ones where I've seen both versions, yep. um, and they both do different things well. Like mm-hmm. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Fincher version is a really good Fincher movie, uh-huh. um, and the Swedish version like has some things that make it feel less American, mm-hmm. which also like drives that authenticity. But I didn't, it didn't include it because... I don't know if Fincher ever saw the original version mm-hmm. or if they just went right to the book mm-hmm. and just bypassed that whole thing, which is probably what I would do if I was mm-hmm. making that movie. Yeah. So that's why I shoved it to honorable mentions. But it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah. And like it's one of those ones where it's a mystery, but like the mystery kind of doesn't matter because the way the mystery is being pieced together by the characters is so engaging. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they solve the wrong mystery. Right. They yeah. they don't realize what mystery they're actually yeah. solving. Yeah. yeah. That was a that was one of those where I read the book and I didn't love it. And then I saw the Swedish movie. I was like, that was a good adaptation of a book that I didn't love. And then same thing about the the uh, uh, Fincher version. But then in hindsight, like I kind of love all of them. Yeah. Like, well, really sat with me. I actually you know? saw the Swedish movie before I read the book. And mm-hmm. it got me super excited for the book. And then I read the book and I was like, all right, that was okay. But I can see why it makes a better movie. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And, it, and with the Swedish version, they went and did the whole trilogy. Yeah. You yeah. didn't see all three like of we're those. ever going to yeah. get from Fincher, which is kind it was of kind of a bomb. Yeah. When it came out, they, they thought they were going to do that. And then yeah. they said, we'll do the sequel, but your budget's here. And he was like, have you seen these Oscars? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And the first one is the most interesting. Like it has that strongest like sense of location where they're uh-huh. on this like secluded island. And like there's stuff in the first book that is, doesn't carry through in a visual way that I think makes the first one like the one to go to anyway. Huh. So interesting. My honorable mention was The Talented Mr. Ripley. I quite like that movie. Uh, it's actually based on a book, I think. That's um, on my shameless. Yeah, but there's yeah, um, there's like a French <laughs> adaptation of it as well, I guess. Um, so I don't know if the, our movie is based more on the French movie or the, the book itself, but uh, that is a cool, pretty fun movie. Mm. It's it's really interesting and weird, and it's cool to see like a young Matt Damon and a young Jude Law. It's It's got like an interesting cast. It's pretty cool. Nice. Definitely recommend. Very cool. I had... Um... Welcome to Collinwood. What's up? Um, that is a really funny uh, George Clooney produced Sam Rockwell starring kind of caper comedy. Oh, cool. And it's based on, I think it's an Italian film. I wrote down the title called Isoliti Ignati. And that was remade like a hundred different ways in a hundred different titles. But Welcome to Collinwood was uh, just a really funny little movie. Oh, cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I just didn't know enough really about it except to, uh, you know. So I put it on honorable mentions. Yeah. Then this is a backwards honorable mention. This is just a recommendation. There's an American movie during the glut of post-ring Japanese adaptations, Pulse. Oh, yeah. And that is a remake of, uh, it's K-A-I-R-O, so I think it's Cairo. Uh, the, the remake is serviceable, but that original movie is terrifying. Oh, yeah? Terrifying. Is it I Korean? I love that. Um, no, it's Japanese. Japanese. Okay. It's Japanese, yeah. And so that's just a reverse one. I think you should check out the original. There's yeah. an image in that that every once in a while I think of, and it gives me chills. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's yeah, good when I was researching, I had no idea that they had made an American version of Nicholas Winding reference Pusher. Oh. Um, but the his Pusher trilogy like is amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just a really like well done story in a way that like I feel like I, I don't know that I've, I've seen anything that he's done post drive actually, but his uh, earlier stuff I really like. Yeah, I've heard the Pusher trilogy is great. I've never seen it. Heard really good things about it. Definitely would check out. 
Jill, any honorable mentions? I barely got a list together. Guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. you did have Jungle to Jungle and Three Men and please, a Baby on your please. list. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> There's a, apparently it's it's IMDb in production, so that could mean it's not happening. But Three Men and a Bride. Oh. And there's gonna be like you know, like two two aging men and a young yeah. mother. Yeah. And it'll just be like you know one one man and a and a middle aged woman. And then just grandma. Let me the like father of the bride part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's gonna carry around Tom Selleck's mustache in like yeah. a container, like it's his ashes. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, I just want to throw this out there. I saw American Honey yesterday. Drop everything and see that shit. It's Woo! fucking incredible. Uh, let's just do recommendations then. Yeah. I saw a movie that. It's impossible to recommend to people, but if you have the stomach for this sort of thing, uh, there's a movie called Baskin that is on Netflix right now. It is a Turkish horror movie uh, that I would loosely say is along the lines of Hellraiser. Uh, It's the same kind of wild, gross, and weird that Hellraiser is. Uh, It really fucking freaked me out. Like I've not been this disturbed by a horror movie in a very long time. But it also is like a legit kind of cool, good movie. There's like a thing that it's doing that is very impressive once you get through the whole thing. But you really have to stomach some fucking unfortunate shit to get there. Uh, So I I can't recommend it to people necessarily. uh, But if you have the stomach for it, Baskin is pretty cool. Uh, Anything you guys have seen that you want to recommend recently? Um, Certain Women is a film that I saw earlier this week. I think it comes out towards the end of October. Uh Uh-huh. Um, from filmmaker Kelly Reichardt. Uh-huh. Um, she did Meek's Cutoff right. a couple of years ago. Um, Which is supposed to be she great. Did Old yes. Joy? Yes. Old Joy? Yes, yeah. she did. Um, I think this is my favorite movie of the year. Ooh. Cool. It seems to be one of those films that you either love and it works for you or you dislike and it does not work for you. But for me, it worked really well. And the best way I can sum it up is that it's definitely a slice of life kind of film. There's no plot, really. Mm-hmm. And the best way I can describe it is if you visit um, a friend for the weekend that you haven't seen in a few years and you don't really keep in touch that much, you kind of drop into their life, you experience their life for a couple of days, and then you leave. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what happens to them if there's something going on, you don't know what happens, and it kind of just leaves it there. But if um, that kind of stuff works for you, I recommend it. Even if it doesn't work for you, this film is beautifully shot. So I think if you appreciate filmmaking in any way, I think you'll get something out of mm. it, even if you don't necessarily get the story or like it. So I highly recommend it. I think it comes out October 28th, I want to say. I've heard that yes. talked up a lot this year, actually. I the trailer looks really cool. I loved it. I loved it. That movie, Old Joy, that I mentioned was kind of the same way. Like that, It's just two guys in the woods. Right. And so it's very meandering and just kind of a moment in time. Not much goes on, but like it, it looks awesome. And it, it is a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I wanted to recommend something I watched in prep for Shin Godzilla, huh. uh, which is another Japanese movie called uh, the U.S. title or a translated title is uh, Jellyfish Eyes. Okay, um, it's directed by I believe his last name is Murakami. Um, he's a graphic artist uh-huh. who, and this is his first movie. Um, he did the cover art for Kanye West's graduation album. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like picture what that yeah. looks like. It was very cutesy, yeah. and it's basically. Um, it's it's kind of hard to describe, but it's also a reaction to the um, 311 earthquakes and uh, following like tsunami and stuff. 
and but it's a children's movie and the children in there befriend like pokemon like creatures um that are the manifestations of their anxiety uh-huh um and they like fight them in like schoolyard battles and then like of course like something goes wrong where there's too many negative thoughts and things go out of control but like <laughs> It's very weird, but it's also very watchable and like very, you know, it's like an hour and a half, like the perfect length for it. The creature designs are gorgeous and like they're all CG, uh-huh. but it all works because like that's the aesthetic that they're going for. Right. Um, and you can kind of tell it's a first movie and it, sometimes it feels like a pilot for a TV show sure. in a way. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and definitely worth checking out. I don't think it ever got a U.S. theatrical release or at least I don't remember it getting one. Uh, but there's a Criterion release that I picked up oh. uh, on, like on a whim and finally had an excuse to force myself to watch it. What What's it called? Uh, it's called Jellyfish Eyes. Jellyfish They're Eyes. watching you. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the translated name of the uh, like the creature that the main kid befriends okay. and he's like moved to like it's almost a weird mix between like pokemon and a um like miyazaki film in the mm-hmm. sense that like it has some of those same landscapes that i've seen animated so many times but uh, don't always get yeah. to see like on camera with just like blades of grass moving in the wind uh-huh. and people riding around on motorbikes and stuff <laughs> uh very fun that's cool nice. that sounds like something i would like actually yeah, yeah i'm interested in that cool uh, you can check out our show yeah, at um, facebook.com slash I like to movie. We're on Twitter at I like to movie. There's a Tumblr that is burgeoning. I like to movie.tumblr.com. That's the number two, um, everybody. The yes, number the, that's the two. digit two that's yeah. in there. Uh, that's how we did it. It's like a license plate. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on everything Letterboxd, uh, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Just yeah. at my name, at Dan Scully. And of course, check out cinadelphia.com. Yeah. Uh, why don't you guys hit it up with some plugs? Go ahead. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd and on Instagram at JP Malcolm and also on Cinadelphia.com. I think you're no. Sorry, that's my Twitter that I no longer use, so don't. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, Letterbox, Facebook, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, as Silver Whatever, and of course, writing stuff as often as I can for Cinadelphia.com. Cool. Uh, I'm on letterbox.com slash filmadelphia, F-I-L-M, at filmadelphia on Twitter. Is there any other way to spell film? Uh, well, but I assume because I make the Philadelphia <laughs> sure, pun, sure, you sure. could spell it P-H. Yeah. Uh, so I always specify. Uh, it's filmadelphia with an F. Uh, and uh, yeah, I review every movie I watch over there on Letterboxd. I have over 400 reviews on Letterboxd now over the last two years, which uh, seems unreasonable to me, but uh, it's like my <laughs> Two years to ago do. at our top 10 at the, or three years ago at the top of the end of the year, you had amassed 12. 12 movies. So a long, yeah. a long way. Yeah, good I'm, stuff. I've seen a, over 150 movies this year, 50 new releases, so we'll, we'll have a good top 10 at the end of the year this year. Uh, it's going to be tough. Ooh, I know, because yeah. uh, Karate Kill is woo-hoo, bumping its way <laughs> way up. Uh, but will it be Gods of Egypt? I mean, that's, I, that's, <laughs> guys, uh, no longer my number one movie of the year, I can already tell you that, but I do not think there's any way Gods of Egypt will not be on my top 10 at the <laughs> yeah. end of the year. I think it's impossible. I'm, I'm so happy more and more people seem to like be coming around on I it. I, I love that movie so it's much. It's so fucking fun and yeah. weird and stupid. That's I love great. getting to recommend that movie to people. Like, you gotta see it. It's yes. so dumb. It's yes. amazing. It's, it's incredibly like... <laughs> stupid. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Uh, all right, you're wrapping up. You should mention the Farsighted blog. Oh, you write fuck for, yes, you farsightedblog.com. Farsightedblog.com. I've been writing a lot of stuff for them recently. It's been a lot of fun. We just did, uh, we're doing a bunch of uh, horror movie stuff all month long. We covered the Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival for them, mm-hmm. where I got to see things like Karate Kill and a great movie called We Go On that I think Dan and I would awesome. both recommend if you can find it. You'll actually it. see a write-up on it uh, on Philadelphia this week. Yeah. I 
prepared that piece. We're it's good to go. It's yeah. really, really a tight, cool little movie. It's a ghost story. I'm not even into those that much, and it's great. Um, so yeah, I, I've been writing a lot for them. We we just did a roundup on Baskin. Actually, we did a roundup on Event Horizon recently, which was really fun. I think we're actually going to do uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, which cool! Is, oh, which I've great. never seen. It's on Netflix yeah. right now. So, so great. I think we're going to do and that. And also, thank you to the Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival. Yes, for thank you for having us. us. Part of it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, congrats to them. They really put on a great inaugural festival uh, that I hope they get to do again because I would happily spend another weekend watching their weird ass fucking movies. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, all right. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Jill, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan Silverstein, and I also like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to. Movie. Movie.